Okay, here we go. Broadcasting live, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. With your hosts, Honest Abe and Adam K. the Brewmeister. Listen to the show anywhere in the free world at kmatalkradio.com. I like to smoke them like some Winston Uh, good morning, loyal listeners, libertarians, lovers of belief, everyone out there in Radio Land. Welcome to another exciting edition of K-Minute Talk Radio, broadcasting live here in lovely West Palm Beach, Florida. I am Adam K., the brewmeister. With me, of course, as always, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Honest Dave. Good morning. Hello, hello. Hey. And filling in this week for Paul, who's once again at another wedding. Who knows this many people to get married? It's not him, it's his wife. Uh, okay, it's definitely Stephanie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, filling in this week, the Philly Southpaw himself. Good morning. Welcome. Hello. I'm just here as fodder. Nothing more, nothing Fodder. Less. You just learned that word like six months ago. Credit to you <laughs> and everybody else who didn't know. know what the word meant. Are you a Southpaw? I am a Southpaw. There you go. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I kind of just made the name up, but I guess it works. From South Philadelphia, so it all works. Yeah, South Philly Southpaw. There in, you go. Oh, so it's not in West Philadelphia. You were born and raised on the playground. Is where you spend most of your days, not, chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, not shooting some b-ball outside the school. That's very good that you know that. Wow. I'm impressed, but yeah. now that calls not for quite a beer. Neighborhood. Uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I've had an interesting uh, weekend so far. I guess. It's nice that we have sound. The whole studios were down this morning. Yeah, no, I, I walked in and uh, the engin- the guy said, yeah, all the engineers are here. I had to make a lot of calls. Everything was black. None of the stage studios were on. All the warning lights were going off. I was wondering why the parking lot was full. Usually there's like four cars when we pull up yeah. on a Saturday morning and like there was like at least like 20 out there. I'm like, what is going on? I thought maybe they had like some guest star in here or something. But You never no. know. Studios just down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the yeah, all the audio just completely But speaking off. of guest stars, I felt like a guest star yesterday. Oh. Yeah, you don't have Facebook, so this will actually be a... I posted on Facebook this mm-hmm. morning, so this will actually be a, a first time for you to hear the story. But yeah, I was uh, heading to my daughter's uh, violin orchestra concert, or whatever it's called, and I wanted to stop by West Palm Beach because I was a little bit earlier at West Palm mm-hmm. Beach Lounge. And this guy in this big red uh, black pickup truck with dualies is like chasing me down, like literally chasing me down. Like you're walking or he's No, no, I'm in the car you. driving. And he's the- I, I'm trying to speed up because mm-hmm. I'm in the far left lane. i got to make a right. And this guy's yeah. speeding up behind me, chasing me. I'm like, what the heck's going on? I, I, I don't remember doing anything. I wasn't even driving fast. Mm-hmm. So I said, let me get over to the left lane. Let this guy just go by me. Maybe he's looking in a dead hurry. I move over. This guy veers up right next to me, slows up, rolls the window down. I'm like, oh, boy. Here you go. What, what did I do? Guy starts screaming. Starts telling me, I love your show, man. <laughs> You got the best show. I listen to it every Saturday. I'm like blown away. I mean, he's literally like, this is the middle. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to have a college showdown in the middle of like, uh, you know, uh, Palm Beach Lakes Boulevard. And this guy ends up being a fan. This was actually yesterday. I was on my way to the shop. Actually, I was seeing Alex. Right, right. And um, we end, he ends up on his way to the shop. We start talking. And the guy ended up being a real cool guy. He owns um, Nitrogen Sushi Bar and Grill in Jupiter. So I'm going to head there Monday for lunch. I got a meeting up that way, and I'm going to bring him some KMA gear, but the Carlos from uh, Nitrogen uh, Bar and Grill, Sushi Bar and Grill in Jupiter, man. It was very cool. It was a wild experience. Here I am thinking we're going to have a big fight. This guy's a fan of our show. How, how did he recognize you? Was it just the license plate? Or? I think that's what I thought, because my windows are, are limited. Yeah. So he definitely didn't see in my car, but no. my, my 
plates are smoke in. Right. So he probably saw the plate and just made the assumption it was me. Uh-huh. Did you think he was like six five in the car? Yeah, because you said it. It was like, oh man, it was a big guy. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, I got I got out at the shop. I'm like, man, I just thought I was almost gonna get in a fight. Right. Alex got all riled up. I was like, I got him. And you know, Alex is not a you know big guy. I'm like, oh no, dude, you're not gonna want to fight this. But he was a big guy. Oh, he's a big guy, but he, he, uh, yeah, he was built. Five, 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 but, you know, he's also in a pickup truck that's higher than my right. Escalade. Right, that's why I said. And I'm when looking he up in, at him. Uh. Yeah, I thought this guy was like, you know, maybe six six, you know, monster. But right. no, he was built. He was ripped. Nice guy too. Hung out. Super really nice, nice guy. guy. Yeah, guy. man, I can't wait to go to his place for yeah. lunch. You know, I, I know, I know, he's not expecting me to show up. Right. You know, I, yeah, yeah, I'll stop by lunch. I'll see. You. Yeah, but I'm gonna actually show up with some K May gear. Surprisingly, so. good chance he's listening, right? Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Absolutely. If he's that much of a fan that he chased me down in the middle of a you know, <laughs> highway, basically. It's yeah. Crazy. That's crazy. I don't think I've ever seen anything before and wanted to talk, you know. I've had weird experiences like that, but that was like the most intense. I was in um, I was in Harris. I uh, actually had gone up to see a Ravens game. I was invited by our good friend yeah. Steve Bashotti, owner of the Ravens. And there's a very nice Harris casino, so I went to go play poker one night. I was up there playing. And... Um, I literally just sat down. I'm in seat 10, right mm-hmm. to the left of the dealer. And we're playing. And, and I think all I said was, you know, fold or something. I said something. The dealer literally stops dealing, looks at me, and goes, Are you honest, Abe? I'm like, And everybody at the table is looking at me like, Who the fuck is honest, <laughs> Abe? Right? I'm like, Yeah. He goes, Dude, I listen to your show every week. I recognize their voice. And he started, Yeah. So I've had this kind of cool experience because, you know, when you sit here in a room, a 10 by 10 room talking to a mic, you never really realize. How out there, you know, right. your show gets right. and who's listening. But yeah, some cool experiences. But yes, history was definitely one for the book. So, very cool. What you got going on this weekend? Anything? Uh, oh, there's Nothing? a lot of stuff going on. You? Well, other than football? Well, no. There's uh, football. I've got to go uh, up to the Tequesta store, uh, fix the humidifier. Oh, yeah, thrilling. Oh no, it's gonna be great. Yeah. <laughs> then, uh, you know, I've got to go to the West Palm store after that oh. for a uh, party this evening. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, we could say it because I'm 99.999% confident he's not listening I'd to the show. I'd say that's a safe bet. Yeah. Probably, we're, yeah. We're <laughs> throwing a surprise party for one of our oldest employees, I guess. Mm-hmm. Literally. Wait. I was going to say probably the oldest. I don't well, think oldest, it probably has worked for me the, the longest, longest both. Right. So, yeah. 70, he's turning 70. So he doesn't know, so we're throwing a surprise party for him. Hooray. Hey, we're nice people like we that. We do that. That's what we do. Wasn't my idea at all. Of course not. I do that, no. <laughs> I, I'm a firm believer after 25, there's no point in celebrating birthdays. It used to be 21, but then when I found out you got a good insurance break at 25, all right, that's another reason to celebrate. After that, it's really nothing to celebrate. I'm okay with the big one. I mean, 40? Like I mean, the 70 for him, right? You turned 40, you I had a big know, party. But it's like, you know, so you're celebrating, like, yeah, death's right around the corner. Yay! Death, right. No. But you had a big yes, party at 40. Sorry. I had no party at 40. The last... Listen, the only birthday party I had was, I mean, birthday parties for me growing up was my parents got a cake, mm-hmm. my brother, my first cousin and his brother came over to our house, and that was our birthday party growing too. up. Same. I never had a party. Same. Ever. <sighs> first party I ever threw was uh, 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And it was epic, too. I mean, literally, guys are still talking about it today. I threw an epic. I was single. There were strippers. There were old gentlemen and their wives from my shops. I mean, I put a dance floor basically in the community lawn area of my development, bought in lights, and cops came about four times, but it was an <laughs> epic birthday party. And my current wife blew me off that night. Ah. We weren't dating yet. We were friends. I was kind of chasing at that point, mm-hmm. you know, courting. But yeah, she was supposed to come that night, and uh, yeah. The babysitter that was going to watch, because she was supposed to watch her roommate's kid, and the babysitter that was going to come for her didn't, didn't show up. 
I still don't believe her to this day. Oh, she's, that is she's such bullcrap. Well. I was going to say, I'm sure she still holds to that story to this to, day. To, to this day. I mean, of course she does. does. But regardless, it was an epic time. I mean, it just epic. It was because it was so eclectic. Literally, there was like all the strippers I knew from being in Florida, these older guys with their wives. I mean, just like everybody was there. I remember at one point, one of my friend's wives, um, who's still my audio video guy, Mikey V, right? Mm-hmm. My audio video guy. She's telling me, and everybody's on this dance floor, this wooden dance floor in the middle of this lawn in between all these, you know, townhouses. And she's like, you know, uh, man, I wish my husband would dance. I go, uh, you mean like right over there? And he was dancing with this like 20 year old stripper. It was hilarious. Like, you mean like he's dancing right now, way over there? So uh, that was that was the only birthday party I had. I might do one at 50. Yeah. You know, 30 and 50. Two in a lifetime is doable. Yeah, yeah it's doable. Yeah. 50's like 50's before you enter that final frontier, I think. Right. <laughs> right. Wow. You crossed over. Right? You're not counting up. You're counting right. down. You're coming around the bend right. now, right? right? You're in the home right. stretch, so maybe 50. Yeah. Sorry, Kevin. I know Kevin's in their other room. He's 50-something, so, yeah. How's that home stretch looking? High five! <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. It'll all be great. It'll be a fun and exciting edition of KMA Talk Radio. Uh, should we introduce our guest? I, I'm excited about this guest. And, uh, it, I, I, I don't like where I put that. Can you move that over to that corner over there? Where I had it last week? Yes. Yeah, hand me that, that camera there. Yeah, I don't like where that is. You know, for me, for me and, and retailers who've been in the business... For me and for retailers who have been in the business as long as I have or even been into cigars as long as I've been into cigars, uh, I guess today is pretty interesting and, and very sentimental and cool because when I first got into this business, I think I started wholesaling cigars in Chicago. I moved here in 90, probably in 95, 90, 96 maybe. Um, and I, I moved here in 98. So like in the, between 96 and 98, this was like the hottest. I was in Chicago, um, and this was like literally the hottest brand that I knew about in the country. Um, at this time, like in ninety in ninety seven, it was very hard to get a lot of brands because of the boom and the shortages. But this was one of them. And if I got thirty boxes, or my the wholesaler I was dealing with got some boxes, and I was able to get them. It was like a gold mine. They were gone the second I got them. And um, it's really funny because it was one of the first like hot brands in my career. And and I saw as a consumer that I really recognized uh, during my time because I was just really really getting into cigars. And I've never met this guy until this week, mm-hmm. you know, all these years. So um, it's very, very cool. And we've got Lars Keaton as our meet your maker for our segment or for our show this week. So I'm, I'm kind of, and we had a very interesting story. And we were going to have a best of this week, and he happened to be in town. And we started talking. I said, "Man, you know, we got to talk about this story. You know, would you have time to come on the show?" And he graciously accepted. So uh, we ended up coming in the studio. We got our little guest host today from mm-hmm. South Philly, and then we're going to have a good show. Absolutely, nice. So, Lars, welcome to KMA Talk Radio. How are you guys doing? Absolutely. Uh, Paul takes the time and gets mad if I don't read this. So, Lars Deaton is a man of many talents. He's been dubbed by his admirers as a contemporary Leonardo da Vinci. People ranging from high-profile celebrities to politicians and presidents of Fortune 500 companies have retained him as their consultant on many varying projects and are among his abundant admirers. From five years old, he crafts and hobbies. Lars has explored as a child of developed products in a broad range of categories from luxury merchandise to science and technology. Lars, welcome to KMA Talk Radio. Thank you very much. It's did, great to be here. Did you just want to skip the whole Meet Your Maker intro? Is that your... Um, no, I just thought it was funny, Leonardo da Vinci. I, have, I didn't know whether you were uh, referring to uh, doing lots of stuff. or I think he was gay, right? Oh, I don't know. Was he? I know I'm wearing pink today, know. but, you know, that's just... Uh, you wore pink the other day, too. Color, yeah. Well, actually, it was just a pink sweater. That's right. Well, you know, they mm-hmm. say it takes a real man to wear pink, so... Yeah. Absolutely. Real men wear pink. I wouldn't yeah. do it personally, but hey. <laughs> yeah. To each their own. Absolutely. But yeah, you just decided to skip the intro? Um, what? Yeah. 
Mm, okay. What? It's going to be one of those shows, I see. I don't know. I'm just going with the flow. Going with the flow. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to make a comment about flow, but I said, Let me, we should move on. <laughs> we should move on from here. Wow. That was good. So what brings you to South Florida, Lars? Um, well, I came out here to see some cigar stores, and I had some music shows. I played out at a couple places last night, like uh, smoke, uh, no, uh, smoke on the Water. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then... Um, I played at uh, a couple places over in Naples. It was good. Now, is, is is how long has music been a part of your passion? I've been doing it since I was pretty young. I started playing out and doing shows when I was very young, and I was with CBS Records when I was a real young kid. I had some hits doing rap music so back sp- in the day. Just so speaking of young kid, let's let's start in the beginning because you know we had an interesting talk this week in the office and. Um, I was enthralled, you know. So you were, you were born and raised where? Well, I was born in Manhattan, and we had a place in Greenwich, Connecticut, and New York City, uh, and another place in upstate New York. Um, ranch and uh, in Connecticut, we had like a bull stud ranch. We brought the cows to get studded, and uh, horse ranch. And so the cowboy hat's not a new thing. You've been wearing cowboy hats for a long since time since I was a kid. Since you were a kid, and you're yeah. you're you're the youngest of how many siblings? Um, I have uh, one older sister and three younger sisters. Okay, so oh, so I thought you were the youngest. Okay, so but four sisters. So you you were the sisters. only boy in a house full of five kids. How did that wow. Yeah, how was that for you growing up? <clears throat> that was pretty cool. I bet once a month it got pretty crazy. Uh <laughs> no, cuz they all yeah, they all link up their periods at the same time. So yeah. sometimes about 2 weeks. Yeah. Stretch, yeah. You know what's funny crazy. is my wife explained that theory to me. I it really does it. happen. Yeah, but do you know why? Has anybody ever heard why that happens? No, tell us. It's yeah, a little menstrual education here. But <laughs> I mean, you never know what you're going to learn. That goes Kamehameha with the flow. Radio. It goes with the flow, right? Yes. <laughs> it's going with the flow today. So, uh, from what I understand, is it's a mother nature thing, right? Um, if you see how animals get attacked, right? So, like usually, if, like let's say lions and gazelles, there's usually like 30, 40 gazelles, and the lion's only able to grab one. And once he grabs one, he'll be sitting there eating, and the gazelles all be around him. He don't care. He's got his kill. He eats. So. It's better for nature that they're all in the same cycle so that they breed in groups. Oh, wow. Because if they breeded one-off, one-off, one-off all at different times, it'd be easier to pick off, you know, to kill a a chain or, you know, a line of of a breed of an animal because there's not multiples at a time. That totally makes sense. It's the first I heard of it. It made sense to me. So now you know. Now you know. There you go. So That's yeah, really interesting. Yeah, I, my wife and I have three daughters, so uh, right now we're only at half the full force of the effect. But yeah, you need to like get them all on the same page and like find the retreat. Yeah, for the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, find a retreat for me. Well, one or the know, other. I, I Somebody's got to go. Gotta go. Yeah. One, take, or the, one or the other. I take my son. We have a father son <laughs> right, weekend for right. a week and just like get out of town. One or the other. Yeah, I get it. So so here you are. You you you're, you're the only boy, and um, you started a business basically at how old? Yeah, when I was five, I really five started. Five years old. Yeah. So you weren't, you know, Legos weren't your thing. No. You know, action figures weren't your thing. You started making what? Pocketbooks and clothing, mostly women's clothing for Barbie at, dolls. At five years Brilliant. old. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm just curious, as a, as a father of a son who has three women, w- was your dad looking at you and going, oh, oh boy. Yeah, I think uh, he thought, uh, he, I, I think he thought I was being ridiculous, but, um, you know. Whatever. 
<laughs> so, so you start making pocketbooks out of leather. How did you? I mean, leather's not an easy material to sit there and sew and work with. When no, you're you have to five. put like holes in it, and then you have to stitch it. Yeah, because I didn't have a sewing machine at that time. And, and who so. taught you this? Nobody. I just like kind of figured it out. You just start trial doing and error. Own. Yeah, I just tried to sit down and. Now, did your sisters ask you for this, or yeah. did you look at a Barbie doll and say, hmm, I could use a pocket purse? Let no, me make my one. sisters asked me, and then uh, I was like, you know, in Greenwich, they basically everybody has everything for the Barbie doll. They want something different, so I ended up making something different. <laughs> and they, they had saw that you'd already started making stuff with leather? No, I had never done any of so that So they before. just asked the blue, hey, Lars, can you make us? Exactly. My sisters always, like, would, you know, have me doing now, stuff. Now, is Lars your given name? Yeah. Lars Tietens is my natural name. What, what, what's the origin of that? It's a very unique name. I think it's Danish descent because my grandfather's from Denmark. Okay. Yep, on my father's side. And uh, so it's, I think, pretty much Danish. And Tietens is Danish family, too. So you're making leather pocketbooks for your sisters. And, and clothes. Also, and clothes. And, and, and obviously their friends are all like blown away where is this coming from. Yep. And, and so then I started making it for all the other little girls in Greenwich. What were you charging for this at the time? I'm just curious. Uh, something like 20 to $40. For something. Back then? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Where were these kids getting 20 to $40? Yeah. Uh, Greenwich, Connecticut. Okay. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. Did you, were you spending 20 or $40 when you were five years old? 20 to $40. And I Sure, I'm a lot younger than most of you, but twenty to forty when I was a kid it was like the gold mine. Five was the score. We used to get excited over a quarter, really. Mm-hmm. Right. A quarter, oh, right? Yeah. But quarter. I got fifty. Hey, cents this was this, a quarter. This used was, to buy me ice cream at lunch. Right, quarter. I used, was, to, get a, I used mm-hmm. to get a scooter bar for a quarter. Quarter twenty-five sweetest fish. Yeah, this was Lars Teton's couture barbershop <laughs> clothing. Is that what you named it at the time? Or no, <laughs> no, I did call it couture. Did you really? Yeah. So how long does this go for? Uh, because we, we had like Vogue magazine in the house, so I knew what couture was. Who was the fashion person in your house? Is that your mother? Um, you know, I really don't know. My mom had a good sense of fashion, but... Because uh, I never saw a Vogue magazine until like, I got like the college. Some mm. girl had it in her room. I mean, I would have never known what a Vogue magazine was at five years old. Yeah, we had Vogue in the in the house. Was, so. that, was, that, was that your mother that was into it? or just? I, I'm not don't really know. sure yeah. why it was in the well, house. Was she into fashion, your mom? Um, I think she had a pretty good sense of style and flair, for sure. You know, she she was kind of into that. But uh, I think that the, there was a group of people that in that community that everybody had a Vogue. Yeah. You know, in Manhattan, you had yeah. Vogue. In Greenwich, Connecticut, you'd go to people's houses. There was Vogue always in people's houses. It was a common magazine. I remember finding say. my first Playboy in my aunt's house. That was pretty cool. I remember when I when I was just five years old, my my mom had this woman who was like a nutritionist uh, named Adele Davis. Do you remember her, Adele Davis? No. Uh, eat, li- eat Right to Live Right or something like that. She wrote this, a number of books that were... Pretty influential in the uh, in the nutritional world, the health food world. Um, but she was at our house visiting with my family. My mom and dad were both into health foods and nutrition stuff too. And uh, she said, um, "So, what do you want to do when you grow up?" She said to me, "I was five years old. I was like, I want to f models." You did not. <laughs> yes, I did. I swear to God, that's what I said. <laughs> Where does a five-year-old get that? I, didn't I, even, I saw I didn't Vogue even magazine. What, I didn't like Playboy. I saw Vogue magazine. I, I said, those what, are the girls I want to be banging. I didn't even know what banging was when I was five years old. I started having sex when I was five. 
Come on now. Every single day from five till I was seven. I don't think you can get a heart on it. No, you can. You can. Are you sure you're not missing a couple years in your memory? 100% trust on it. You can. There'll be girlfriends that are on my Facebook that will be listening to this. How old old are you in fifth grade? (laughs) Uh, no, it's nowhere no. near five. Fifth grade, no. you're talking yeah. uh, five. You're talking kindergarten. Yeah, it's yeah. kindergarten. It's There's kindergarten. no way. Yeah. What a surprise. <laughs> you get erections, actually, before that. I mean, you can get uh, little kids get erections. So, <laughs> Yeah, and I was having sex with an older girl. She was seven. All right, we're going to slide off this topic a little bit. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah, we're going to slide right off this topic. I'm losing my mind. Um, so you're making, you're making clothes <laughs> and pocketbooks and... It starts turning into adult clothing. Yeah, absolutely. And so what I start making ju- it for my sisters and then their friends and then my mom, my dad. I'd make different things. So them. how were you going out buying garment and stuff? Well, we, you know, we were still going into New York City. New York City from Greenwich, Connecticut is just like a 15, 20-minute drive. So we'd be into the city. and So you're pulling all your money from your little leather pocketbooks and you're going and buying now. Yeah, go to the garment district, go to the get fabric. Get now, are you hand sewing these or are you machine yeah, sewing? Yeah, hand sewing. For, I did that for the first at least two years. And how much were you selling a dress for? I don't know. Somewhere in the same price range, yeah. 20 to 40 bucks. And so how does that then explode? Um, well, it just ended up building up until I, I was able to sell more. You couldn't products. hand sew a bunch of dresses, right? Cause you, you told no, me, it you, took a time. It took time. But then you it. started selling like. To the public in a market. Yeah, I did. The, but that was about two years later, and I hired like a couple sewers that started. They were using machines. Yes. So you go out and you buy and the And finally, garment. I did get a machine. Like when right. I was, you figured out how to use a machine. Yeah. So, using so you're going out, you're buying garment, you're coming up with designs, you're, you're sketching them on a piece of paper? or uh, No, I didn't really do that. In fact, I didn't really understand how to do a pattern like that. So what I did first was just cut the material out. And I had it visualized in my head how it was going to look. And then you'd make it, and then you show your employees, say, hey, make this? Yeah. But first I would do it a few times to figure out the way to the sew best it way. so that it would be easy to sew in a production way. Really? Yeah. So, you know, you can do one-offs, and that's a whole different animal. But when you're doing it in production, you have to really go get, ahead. You and, have to get the process done. Yeah, and figure out, okay, you're predicting what mistakes they're going to make or what problems they're going to have before they have it. And with that, I would keep doing the the product whatever it was of a piece of clothing or a bag and then once i got the pattern down right then i would make it i would take it apart take all the stitching out and then lay it down on cardboard to cut it out of the cardboard so i had a pattern hmm. which i think is the way you're supposed to do it the opposite way of that <laughs> it's not supposed to be that way i think you're supposed to really do like a sketch and then make it a pattern and then but i didn't do it that way i just didn't know I am mind boggled right now. <laughs> it doesn't take a lot, right? I mean, let's be fair. True. Thank you. Appreciate You're welcome. It. Yeah, <laughs> you were having trouble with simple math the other day. I know. <laughs> so, at what point now does this clothing line now not become friends and family? You're selling it to the public, which eventually happened. Yeah, when I was about eight. Eight years old. Yeah. Well, seven. Actually, I, I just got to ask one more I, time. I, Are you sure you have this chronological time order of age? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so at eight years old, man, Come again. I mean, what were you doing at eight? Eating dirt? Eating dirt. I was just saying that. Eating dirt at right. eight? Playing in the sandbox? What right. are we doing at eight years old? I mean, right. we're seriously. Eating dirt, throwing dirt, dirt, I, dirt, dirt, dirt. I think my I think my son's amazing at five, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. uh, just because he he's learned not to put his finger in the socket. Yeah, right. good point. Right. Right. Good boy, you live another day. So 
Well, I, I started doing a lot of different stuff at that time. So, you know, I was... Uh, who, who did you get this from? Is your dad the entrepreneur? I mean, who's, who, who had this kind of, you know, drive and, and you know, entrepreneurship in them, in your family? I, I'm not really sure. I mean, my... What I'm did not, your parents do? Uh, my dad did, like, computer stuff. Oh, um, yeah. He was pretty advanced. Could be pretty smart, yeah. Yeah, he was pretty advanced in the computer world. He and was your mom just a housewife from raising you guys, or what was she doing? They were both, like, political activists. Oh, really? Yeah. Doing, like, marches with Dr. King. Molotov cocktails? No, more like... You know, both of them were martial artists, but they, my my mom was, like... And dad were doing marches with Martin Luther King. Really? Yeah, and doing stuff like that. Did you ever get to meet him? Uh, I don't... I was so young. Like, yeah. So. so even if you did, you wouldn't know I wouldn't it probably. Even know. Yeah. So how is it now the clothes start so selling? That ends up taking off where it, it starts little bit by little bit uh, with um, with little boutique stuff. And then I end so up. So how many, how many pieces of clothing are you dropping off when you go to a boutique? Are you 20, um, 5, 10? Yeah, maybe less than, about 10. Okay, so you're dropping off 10? 5 to 10 pieces. Are they paying really? you up front or on consignment? Oh, no, paying up front. Up front, then you go and make another 5 and 10. Exactly. All right, where did that finally break into? Because you made a connection somewhere along the way. You were telling me in the yeah, office. Yeah, absolutely. So I met some people who, uh, well, I should, probably shouldn't say exactly this, because remember, this place is still open okay. and operating today. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I met a group of people who were helping me get into uh, little boutiques in, in that area. Uh, and um, uh, these people introduced me to uh, a restaurant in Albany, New York, where I'd go have lunch called Jack's Oyster House. And at Jack's Oyster House, you were able to get, at that time, you could smoke cigars there and get cigars, whatever. The, um, the, the cigars were complimentary. Yes. I mean, you just walk up and grab yeah. one for lunch. Exactly. So I smoked a Cuban, you know, Monte Cristo. That was your first cigar? First one. First cigar. Yeah, they only had Cuban cigars. Now, I just want to keep everything in context. Eight years old. Quick question. Yeah, but where are we at, like, year-wise? 70s, 80s, 60s? That's a good question. 70s. 70s. Okay. So 70, it's right at the beginning of the 70s. And no one, of the 70s. no one in this restaurant saying, hey, should we let that eight-year-old smoke a cigar? <laughs> no, I used to walk around smoking cigars all the time since I was like nine, you know. Okay. So, so oh, I started going to the restaurant at eight, but I, I really didn't even smoke a cigar until I was nine. Got it. So when I was nine, uh, they decided to like, you know, see me choke on a cigar and and that's uh, how the cigar started. That's started. how the cigar started. So, and, and then uh, with the cigars, I got really excited about the cigars. So as soon as I smoked one, I was like, I got to figure out a way to start making don't, cigars. Don't jump in the timeline. Yeah. Don't jump in the timeline. You still, haven't made, you still haven't made your first million yet, which from, from what I understand happened before the age of 10. Yeah. Well, around 10. Around 10. All right. So we're going to get to that. So now you're meeting these people. What did they do for you in your clothing line? Um, well, they helped me get into boutiques. A lot of them. Yeah, a good amount. So instead of dealing with one or and two especially now. especially in the right places. In the right places. Yeah. So now your production has got to get amped. Right. And now you're really making a lot of clothes. Right. Now, I don't know if you could remember or not, but at the age of now eight, nine, you're making clothes. How much money are you making? It's pretty good money. Are we talking tens of thousands a year or hundreds of thousands a year? Uh, it was It was very good. Good. It was excellent. Probably more than the average adult. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm employing adults. You know? You're you're actually employing adults. How many employees did you have at the age of nine? Uh, I, I can't remember, but I had a good amount. Good amount. Yeah. Now I assume these are all under your your 
parents are running the business. No, no, I had another guy who was running the business. And are you or pay- in their name? It wasn't in, in your parents. It was in yeah. Another and guy. He might not even had a corporation name. Who, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. It had to be yeah. some so, adult somewhere. Yeah, no, I had an adult who was like 50, really running it, and okay. then I had like a guy who was an, another adult who was walking around as like my bodyguard. Because you're figuring, you know, yeah, I was a little kid. <laughs> That's an easy lick. Yeah, you're yeah. hoping not to get kidnapped for ransom. Exactly. At this point. And I had a driver and stuff. So All right, we're going to take a break now. It's a short to... break. And then we're going to come back and we're going to find out how Lars made his first million dollars at the age of 10. Keep it lit. You're listening to KMA Talk Radio. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're on Instagram, too. Yes, it's mandatory. Experience the new Henry Clay Warhawk, a robust and complex cigar that's inspired by the rebellious roots of Henry Clay. The first of a three-part series honoring the life of the great statesman, this cigar is made with the best tobaccos grown and hand-rolled by the Grupo de Maestros at La Flor de Copen in Honduras. And it's not your typical Connecticut. This is a Henry Clay. Stand up, be different, and smoke a Warhawk. Surgeon General Warning, cigar smoking can cause cancer to the mouth and throat even if you do not inhale. Hello, this is Glenn Case, owner of Christoph Cigars. Smoking a cigar is all part of the experience. For me, there's nothing better than gathering with friends after an amazing steak dinner and smoking my GC Signature Series paired with a fine glass of scotch. Good conversation and a few laughs is always better when smoking Christoph. Start enriching your downtime. Go to Christoph.com and click on the Discover Your Christoph tab to find the Christoph cigars that are right for you. Upgrade your downtime with Christoph. The Oliva family, the makers of some of the most affordable yet highest rated premium cigars available. For seven straight years, Cigar Aficionado has rated Oliva as one of the best cigars of the year. And Oliva has a cigar for all smokers. From the newly released Gilberto Oliva Reserva to the bold and rich Oliva Siri V. Oliva cigars can be found at a tobacconist near you. So always ask for Oliva, an unbeatable value and uncompromising quality. The Oliva family of cigars. The recently released Perdomo Double Age 12-Year Vintage is an extremely rare blend of Perdomo's finest and most cherished 12-year-old fillers, binders, and wrappers. Bale aged for 10 years and then barrel aged. In bourbon barrels for an additional two years, these exquisite Nicaraguan tobaccos are bursting with rich, complex flavors. Offered in Connecticut, Sun-Grown, or Maduro, available at only 250 authorized tobacconists worldwide, the Perdomo Double Age 12-Year Vintage is a must-have for every cigar enthusiast. Hey, this is Clay from La Plena Cigar Company. My likes and dislikes, long walks in the park, old-school gangster films, wrestling grizzly bears with Abe. Dislikes, smelly feet, flight attendants with an attitude, and Friday afternoon traffic. What I know you will like is the La Polina family of fine cigars, such as Mr. Sam, Bronze Label, and our highly rated classic series. But let's not forget the limited edition Goldie. Quality forever, La Polina Cigars. Placencia Cigars has been one of the world's leading growers of first-class tobacco since 1865. Today, Nestor Placencia Sr., together with the fifth generation of the Placencia family, continue the legacy. With over 3,000 acres of quality tobacco fields, they are makers of quality cigars, including Alma Fuerte, ranked among the top 10 cigars in major publications. Find them in your local premium tobacconist stores around the country. Placencia Cigars, perfected for more than 150 years. Yours to enjoy now. 
Looking for something unique and awesome? Smoke Oscar Valdaris Cigars. 2012 Connecticut. 2012 Corojo. 2012 Maduro. The Oscar Habano. The Oscar Maduro. My Way. And our latest creation, Oscar Valdaris Cicerone Edition. A great cigar that comes in five different collectible boxes with an amazing exclusive artwork. Remember, Oscar has something unique and awesome waiting for you. Ask for Oscar Cigars in your favorite cigar shop. Keep the party going all week long at the world-famous Spearmint Rhino, West Palm Beach. Every Sunday, Monday, and Wednesday, enjoy $3 premium drinks from the bar till midnight. Magnum Mondays means $100 Magnums of Belvedere and Moet Brut until midnight. Get your thrills every $10 Tuesday with $10 dances all day and night. Ladies, don't miss Women Crush Wednesdays with half off your cover charge. No matter the time of day, it's always a good time at Spearmint Rhino, West Palm Beach. Welcome back. You're listening to KMA Talk Radio. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're on Instagram, too. Yes, it's mandatory. Welcome back to KMA Talk Radio, broadcasting live. I am Adam K., the Brewmeister, and we are here on this lovely Saturday in the month of October. Hello. With me, of course, Mr. Honest Abe. I am here. Yes. Our special guest host. The South Philly Southpaw himself. The Philly Southpaw. That. I'm might, just fodder. I might I might make you a shirt, the South Philly Southpaw. Thanks. I'm just fodder. Well, that would be great. The people I know that you've made shirts. Me and Big Mike. Great company. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Big Mike. I miss Big Mike. I miss Big Mike. Our store's never been so, right. yeah, never been so clean. As clean as when Big Mike was working. And of course, we have our very special guest, uh, Mr. Lars Teton. Uh, thanks for being here. That's awesome. Uh, yes, and we've been learning all about your history, about how you got started at the ripe age of five. Now, when, I appreciate you getting up early in the morning, but I just want to interject, right? I get up early every day. Yeah, you get up early and do what? Pretty much. I work me? out for about four hours a day. I just four hours is basically a half of what a human being works day is. Yeah. What could you possibly do for four hours? Well, I do qigong in the morning, about an hour and a half. Isn't tight. <laughs> yeah, that was my next one. Yeah. yeah. I've never even heard what is qigong. Uh, it's like a Chinese internal art. You heard of Tai Chi before. Yeah, right? everybody knows. Well, it, did you just say Tai Chi? No, it's like an advanced uh, thing. Uh, uh, like, uh, So that's kind of like an internal martial art, but this is just an internal art. And where did you study art. this? I studied with a bunch of different masters since I was really young. I mean, we're on a mission from God. Kind of one of the themes of the show has been kind of everything since I was really young lately. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, yep. you've done yep. more by the age of 10 than some people have done in a lifetime. Yeah. So you do Tai Chi, f- and what else for four hours? Uh, do different kind of boxing, kickboxing, different martial arts. Is this arts alone, stuff. or is it with a trainer? Sometimes with <coughs> no. Sometimes I'm with other people uh, that I'm. I have students. I have a bunch of students, so I'll I'll teach uh, students. So you're teaching in the morning. Sometimes I am, but most of the time I'm doing it myself, and then teaching later on in the afternoon or sometimes it's in the morning. If I have like one of my students with me in the morning, then I'm going to. I have a trouble Train making it to my 40-minute boxing class yeah. one time a day. <laughs> what time of day do you normally start? Uh, usually around 4 o'clock. So I get up at 3.30. Hey, Kevin Casey, was he up at 4 in the morning today? Where'd he go? Don't he know. don't know. He's like, I was sleeping. <laughs> if he was, I don't know. I was yeah. sleeping. Yeah, these guys sleep. <laughs> Kevin Casey's uh, been on the road with him taking around to cigar shops. Uh, he's a regional Alec Bradley rep, which we're going to get into that whole relationship uh, later on the show. Once we find out about this first, because I mean, 
I'm assuming this first million was the major pillar that set up your future endeavors. Uh, well, it was definitely helpful. Uh, yeah, I would hope it would be helpful. Yeah, it was helpful. Uh, uh, I'd like to know how it could have been problematic. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, it wasn't like really my stuff that made that money. It was just my uh, opportunity. brain. Yeah, opportunity. Well, still. You know, finding a place that I could get, you know. So tell us how this happened. So I went into, I figured I couldn't manufacture enough clothes to sell enough stuff, and I wanted to have more products to sell for my the, the guys who were out selling for me. And I went into New York and found a place that had, like, um, jeans that I could, um, well, a guy who saw me that was like, oh, this guy's an idiot. And, he he was um, thinking that of you. Yeah. And, right. Uh, like some kid, somebody, kid. Who's letting their kid run around here unattended, exactly. right? Exactly. So uh, I he was willing to sell me for, like, a half a Were cent. Were you a big child? A, uh, I was pretty tall. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. At the age of, like, 12, I looked like a 20-year-old adult. I, at, I passed easily for a, yeah, at 12, an older guy. Because I, I grew by, by, I mean, how old are you in eighth grade? Uh, 13, 14. So yeah, by 13, 13, I was already 220 pounds, six feet tall. So I, I had become, yeah, we've seen some of your pictures. Yeah, I had become manhood. The, yeah, the bearded at 12, grade. I was five and uh, five ten and a half. Yeah, so yeah, so, so you, you were a big pretty. kid. So people didn't look at you and think you were eight years old when you were eight. I mean, they might thought you were 12, but still, yeah, right. They thought I was young. Yeah, I mean, when I was eight, I looked like I was a 12, 13-year-old easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 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 you meet this guy who's got jeans. What does he well, say? It's in Get Manhattan. So like uh, you know, he's got a warehouse of tons of of you know. It wasn't like today where you got YouTube and a million channels. He out. had no way to move it. He was three stuck channels. On couture shows were not shown on TV. Nobody really knew what was in fashion except a very small group of people who were in the fashion industry. So any city that was outside of the major fashion industries. We're five to 15 years behind the times. So he had tons of out-of-stock jeans that were like, you know, Jordache, Sassoon, Gloria Vanderbilt. And why couldn't he sell them? Well, I don't know, but they were selling really each new season. So this was way out of season. Nobody wanted them anymore. Yeah, the the people he was connected to didn't care and didn't Mm -hmm. want them. And then he didn't want to pay a bunch of union people to have to move this stuff. So just moving them out of his warehouse was going to cost him a lot of money. Right. And, and what made this guy think that you might be able to help him well, out? Well, he just was thought I was an idiot and was like, oh, yeah, you want to get some jeans? Here's some jeans. So he was trying to take advantage yeah, of Yeah, he was just me. trying to sell me anything he could get out of the warehouse. I was just like the moron that he saw. And and what was the offer he made you? A half a cent to a cent, a pound. A pound? Yeah. So, so you're taking out pallets, pallets. of jeans, yeah. paying a half a cent to a cent a, a pound. pound. Yeah, so that was a pretty easy way to make a bunch of money. And Jordache, all those jeans were selling for a lot of money back then. So you could sell them, you could make a lot of money on the jeans. Well, you did make a lot yeah. of money. So that was like just an easy way How long way did it to, take you to flip that to make that million dollars? About a year. Dollars? A year. Yeah. Wow. And how many pairs of jeans do you think you went through? That's a lot oh, of jeans. we don't want to count that. It was tractor trailer load. So we just dumped it at a warehouse and then sold them off. Did you remember the weight? No, well, not even close. I can barely remember what I ate for breakfast. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now you, a year later, now how old are you now? Um, now, I'm, let's say I'm 10. You're 10 years old. Yep. Got a million dollars. In fact, you were telling me somebody, you, you know, ended up loaning you some money. Some money. Right. Because, you know, even at a penny a pound, it was tens of thousands of dollars. Right. You know, right? So somebody and ended, I didn't have that money. Right. That. And somebody ended up loaning you money who, who like, 
even after you've paid him back, like he like didn't want any interest or nothing. And right, and I was, just gave him back a bunch of yeah. money. So, so I, now you got this money. So now what are you going to do? And I, we take it like you didn't finish high school. No, so I didn't. Didn't finish high school. Didn't go to college. No, no. So now you got a bunch of. Well, money. I, I actually did go to college, but I didn't go to, college, to college like a normal study. person. Yeah, you yeah. didn't go to college to study. Yeah, right. I would figure that. <laughs> um, Shocked, I tell you. So, well, I mean, everybody wants to go to college when they're twenty. I mean, right. Well, I didn't go to college. Be. I think till I was like thirty or something, thirty-one. Maybe. Okay, once again, a line we don't want to get into. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, where do you go from here now? Now, what are you doing? Uh, I just, you know, I kind of dabbled into a bunch of different little businesses, and then when I uh, end up dropping out of uh, high school, I moved to Manhattan and got involved in the modeling agency. So you moved to Manhattan on your own? Yeah. Now, were you emancipated at 15? No, but my parents, like, look, I talked to my parents every day. I wasn't like, my parents and I were really close, so, I mean. So they obviously, I mean, no one's giving a 15 release. I think I annoyed my parents more than anything else because anywhere I went, if I wasn't, like, exactly on time, I'd call them up and tell them, this is where I'm going to be, this is where I'm going, and this is what time I'll be there. If I'm going to be late, I'd call them up and tell them, listen, I'm going to be late, Uh, this is where I am now. I just wanted people to keep track of where I was just in case anything happened. There was no cell phones like that. I know. Back in those days. And even if you did have a cell phone in New York, it never worked. All the lines were busy. So, so, I mean, are they signing a lease for you? How are you moving to Manhattan at, you know, Uh, know, 14, 15? It's a different kind of world back then. You just showed up with a bag full of cash and someone gave you a room. Yeah. No questions asked. Yeah. And plus, you could just negotiate. You just walk in and talk to the people and negotiate. I never had to do any of that stuff. I don't think you could legally get a place when you're. Yeah, you can. Legally? Legally, you could do it. Really? Yeah. Nobody would. Nobody did anything like that. It wasn't like that. Back then, I guess, Back yeah. Then, yeah. We're yeah, talking about a long yeah. time ago. I mean, I remember, I remember I'd seen kids eight years old going buy cigarettes for their parents. Like, it was yeah. nothing bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. you think about and, uh, it. Right. It was take up of, a gallon of milk and a pack yeah, of Virginia but, Slims. Exactly. <laughs> and, Virginia Slims. That's actually funny. And half the people didn't even like make me sign leases. Yeah, I guess it was the Wild West back then a little bit. Yeah, it was, it was a lot everything of, today. Yeah. If you met the people, you were, got made friends with them, they just, okay, we'll hook you up. All right, so you're in Manhattan. Now what are you doing? So I, I ended up becoming a partner in a modeling agency and a casting company. And How does this I'm, happen? I just meeting people, you know, hooking up with chicks, and then they're introducing me to other people, models. And then uh, they introduced me. So you're just an out-and-out horn dog in every aspect of life. Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So modeling agency. How do we get from modeling agency to cigars? Because I mean, that's okay. eventually the that's the dots I'm trying to connect here. Right. So uh, you know, during this time though, I was always trying to find somebody to teach me how to roll cigars, and I spent a while asking different people to teach me. But then I had uh, a person who introduced me to these two people, uh, one on 29th Street and uh, Antonio Martinez. But at that time, it was called like Five Brothers Kenya or something, the cigar shop. Kenya? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know why. Now, yeah, right. So now, just keep the, the timeline going. You you meet these guys. They got a little factory. How old are you now? Well, I met them when I was 14, but I didn't get really taught how to roll cigars until I was about 15. Okay. And you would... Just what? You'd go there every day and they would ch- teach you? Uh, well, I went there every day and cleaned the place uh, for about three months. So you're 14, 15. Yeah. You've already made a million dollars. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you're living on your own in Manhattan. Yeah. And you're going to this little bodega factory and cleaning up every day. 
Yeah, because I wanted them to teach me. I wanted them to take me seriously. Where's the there? This is in Manhattan. Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, Manhattan. New York City. Yeah, what was the name of the shop again? What were they called? It it's Five, Five Brothers, Brothers Kenya. Kenya. And then there was another place on 30th Street called Sanchez. Uh, so I don't even know what it was. And they're just hand-rolling cigars there all yeah. day. Yeah. And they have a little display thing. So I'm assuming you're cleaning out of humbleness because you're trying to... Exactly. So at what point did they say, hey, gringo, sit here and roll me something? After about three months, uh, one of the guys started uh, teaching me how to roll cigars. And... Um, he he was not like a manager or anything in the place, but he was like just a he, worker. Yeah, he just mm-hmm. started teaching me how to roll cigars. He, he's teaching how to wrap a bundled cigar. I'm assuming to start uh, out. No, he taught me how to like uh, pick out different leaves and how and to bunch them, and really? then how to put them into the molds and turn them and whatever that kind of stuff, and put a wrapper leaf on it and all that. Uh, now, now you saying pick out the leaves, but you're not picking out any blends. They're giving you the leaves, and you're just making a cigar. At this point. Well, in the very, very beginning, yes, but then they didn't want me to waste the tobacco that they had that was like their for their blend. So <laughs> they just gave me the crap tobacco that they couldn't. They didn't want to use. Yeah, they couldn't practice use. with this. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and right. then so then I just picked out whatever I wanted to pick out and made my own blend. <laughs> so um, where does this go from here now? I start making them, and they started selling them. Uh, so you were making your own blends. You just went wild west on them and say, hey, yeah. I'm just going to start making my own stuff. And they started selling them out of their little bodega. Yeah. And then A 14-year-old white kid from New York just growing cigars. Yeah. Well, people, 15, 15. 15 at the time. And people were liking them. It, well, people were buying them. So yeah. more, I guess more importantly, more importantly liking, they yeah, were more buying importantly them. More importantly liking them. They were yeah. buying them. Yeah. And so I, I sold a lot of cigars from the place. And then there started like the blends that they were using were mostly before the end of the year became all my blends. And then by the end of the year, both shops became basically all my blends. So you were developing the blends, and their rollers were rolling them all day. Yeah. And of course, and I rolled some cigars too, like that. But they would they would pack they would have those cigars in a little thing called White Boy cigars because they didn't even know my name in the first year. <laughs> they just called me White Boy. White Boy, go do this. White Boy, do that. <laughs> that was it. So so, <laughs> how much were they paying you? Oh, I didn't get paid. What do you I mean didn't you even get... know you could make money at this. I just was doing it because I loved doing it. I had no idea until I was in my twenties you could make so money. How from long this are you thing. doing this without getting paid? Uh, years. I mean, 15 well, to and, like and I was so almost 24. What are you, just living off of your gene money at this point? Yeah, well, no, I was living off of money I was making in the modeling business and off my... That didn't require your attention? You were just an investor? No, I was working every day. So that was my both. main gig. So yeah. you were doing both? Yeah, that was my main gig was running the modeling agency, running the casting company, picking up Then when clients. would you go to the factory? I would do it in the early morning and the afternoon. Really? I would just go in back and forth. Sometimes in the evening, too, when they had stuff they wanted me to do, I'd just go in there in the evening. So at what point do you realize, hey, maybe I should start making money doing this? Uh, it wasn't until I was making blends for another major factory. Somebody When I was like 24, uh, the guy So now for almost me, a decade, you've been rolling cigars for free. And making blends. And making blends mm-hmm. yeah. for people. Yeah. And then the dude was like, you know, you've been making blends for us for a while. Uh, you, we really should be paying you for this. <laughs> so they started paying me and uh, for the blends, and that was where it started, really. This is at, this is at 24? Yeah. Now, at what point do you start saying, I'm going to make my own brand? Um, probably wasn't till I was, I mean, kind of was my own brand already. Like I didn't think wasn't about your name on it. Well, People I didn't, didn't know who you were. I didn't think about putting my name on it. But, I get it, but right now you're yeah. just a back. 
behind the curtain guy. No one knows that you at this point in the industry. Yeah, Look, I think about a year after I was doing it, people knew my name, and there was maybe a handful of consumers wouldn't. How right, consumers, consumers wouldn't, but a handful I'm of cigar talk, yeah, shops. I'm always talking mm-hmm. from the consumer perspective, God, right? Yeah, so you're still not a known entity. In, exactly. In the consumer, well, I like to call the consumer verse. Um. So. How does it develop that you say, I'm going to start putting my name on a label? Well, I didn't even want to put my name on the label in the beginning. I, I just, it, when they were telling me, my the people who I had working with me at the time said, Lars, you got to go ahead and put your label on there. And your, now, at this point, you had the, a band. At this point, you had never dabbled in making an infused cigar. No, I had, right from the beginning. Okay, where were these infused cigars being made? Because I lost that train in the. In New York. Okay, so when you were working with your when you were working between fourteen and twenty four, yeah, and you were working in this little bodega, 15, 15, fifteen and twenty four, and you working in this little bodega, you started infusing cigars there. Well, not there, but okay. I would bring it back to my apartment. And I would so you get the tobacco, you'd bring it back to your apartment, you start concocting ways to exactly. infuse the tobacco with flavor. But exactly. Now, at this point, this is a totally non-existent N- market. Market, right? That no one's ever even, done it. No nope. one's ever done it. Right. right. Nope. Right. Now. What made you come up with? Yeah, it? yeah. Well, okay. So that? let me just say that really, if you go back like six thousand or more years uh, in Venezuelan culture, you'll see archaeological finds that are stone statues of their women shamans of the tribe smoking cigars, and you'll see stone molds where they would make cylinder-shaped cigars with polished stone molds. And that goes back six thousand years plus. But where does it, where is the thought so, that I'm going to infuse? Right, so I'm going to take some outside elements and try to incorporate them in a tobacco leaf. Where does that process so come from? Part of their ancient culture was to infuse the tobacco. You read it. You read that. Yeah, how did you know? Yeah, this? I like studied 14. about that stuff. I'm assuming you read a lot. Yeah. Well, I did at that time. I don't really that much anymore. I don't have time. But I will read some stuff like on physics and shit like that. But that's about it. Yeah. So what what kind of stuff did they infuse it with back then? Um, like herbs or essential oils or something like for that. For spiritual reasons or yes. for flavor? Yep. Yep. For spiritual enlightenment. And you decide to try this on tobacco? Yeah. <laughs> so how how long before you actually had something that was smokable? Because I, I got I to imagine your first run at it had to be... No, the first stuff I did was pretty good. Remember, I was cooking and making food products for a long time. So I kind of already Story had that arc. palette. Story arc. When did you start cooking? Well, I was like five, six. I was now, really like very serious about cooking. I know, I, I know a lot of people. And you're a self-proclaimed gourmet chef. Well, yeah. It says gourmet so. chef on your sure. product. I believe everything I read. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, also, if you wrote it, I want to say, um, I've never had your cooking, but I know three or four people who have had your cooking. So I could say by referral that I heard he is an amazing cook. So, you know, I, I know everybody's out there going, okay, so this guy cooks, he sells, but I've heard from three or four different people. That you're amazing cook. Now these are your seasonings that yeah. you, you concocted. Yeah, I, I tried some. Well, as the Philly South Pole, I feel like I should be tasting the Philly cheesesteak one. I didn't even see that one. <laughs> it's only right, right? Mm-hmm. No, well, yeah, well, yeah, you try this though. This was good. I tried this yesterday. This is actually some very interesting seasoning. I had this a couple days ago in my office. I like how you did it like a tequila shot. Yeah, <laughs> he it right off his, uh... he's getting all ready. 
It's unique. Um, I got to give, th- give you that. Now, now you got me curious. I didn't think I got a Philly cheesesteak one the other day. Now I'm going to assume that this Philly cheesesteak seasoning. I feel like I might start tripping. I'm going to put it on the camera and let me know when it's good. Yep. Wait, I'm going to get on oh, camera oh. shot first. Back up just a little bit. There you go. All right. Here. Try this. I'm assuming this is made strictly to go on Philly cheesesteak. No, it can go on everything. Salad, sandwiches, anything. Fries, burgers. Does it taste like a Philly cheesesteak? It shouldn't taste like a Philly cheesesteak. No. It's supposed no. to taste like It's supposed a, to enhance it. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. Have like an Italian kind of. Uh, it does. It's very it Italian. very like. Yeah. But not like your Italian seasoning blend. No. There's more to no. it. Yeah. A little spice too. Yeah. Okay. And Parmesan cheese. And That's that what it is. Stuff, I tasted yeah. some Parmesan in there. Mm. The greatest exotic and gourmet chef in the world. There you go. Yeah. See, I do <laughs> believe everything I read. <laughs> so your, 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 your passion and your dabbling into food, yeah. right? Because you told me you like you were making chocolates and stuff. Oh, too, yeah. Right? When I was just five, I was making like, Back chocolate Back at five. Well, five was a magical age for you. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I started doing you a- You did a lot of things at five years the, old. The stuff that I did at five, like, okay, so I did a lot of different things, but- only some of them hit. <laughs> some stuff didn't work out at all. So, so, so you had the Rocky. The stuff that people the, bought, I kept doing. You had the Rocky Patel theory of business, just throw enough stuff against the wall. Exactly. And go with what sticks. Exactly. I threw tons of stuff. though. You know, maybe one out of every 20 ideas worked. But, you know, if you do have, if you have enough ideas and you keep doing those same ideas over and over and over again that are working, if somebody ends up being interested just a little bit in it, then you just keep following that path. Makes sense. So back now, we're, we're arc jumping all over the place. Mm-hmm. Back now, you're, you're, you're infusing tobaccos in your apartment. Yeah. When's the first time you actually sell one of these cigars? Uh, they were selling pretty quickly. You were selling them in the yeah in the shop. No I, bands, no nothing. No, I bring them back to the okay. shop, and you know they weren't like heavy. Heavy, infused. lightly infused, but they were definitely right. substantially something different that people right. never experienced. A lot of people did not even know that it was infused. They just thought it was a different kind of tobacco. So now I'm kind of getting the picture now. When you're saying or at the end of the year that all your blends were being sold, these were blends that you basically infused, conditioned, conditioned, yeah, yeah the whatever, whatever yeah, conditioned. That's fine. So this is what made all your blending popular in the little bodega is that you had developed this completely new concept of conditioning tobacco. Well, about half of the stuff that was selling was... Uh, unconditioned. Right. Okay, so it was Maybe even more. I would say probably 70 or 80% was unconditioned. Maybe uh, maybe only 20 or 30% was conditioned. Okay. Stuff. Just so I can get a reference to my timeline sure. for when I've gotten in the industry. When you start... When did you start putting your name on a label? I had a girlfriend who kind of talked me into it. And... Um, there used to be a lot of Asian girls in your bands, right? Uh, no. Oh, no? No. Okay. They just had Asian names. I, I thought I remember an Asian. Yeah. Musashi, Teshu. Yeah. Not, none of your art had Asian women or smoking I swore I saw a member of them. I mean, it's going Oh, back yes, there was. 100%. I, I, I know. Yeah, Dow. Yep. I knew you she, had. Yes, the Vietnamese girl. Yes. Yes. You had an Asian girl smoking yes, cigar. Yes, I remember what you're talking about right now. Uh-huh. 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 So, so. Now, were you making skateboards at this time? I started making skateboards when I no, I started making skateboards when I was pretty young. But at like five, 
Gotta no, no, no. I started skateboarding when I was... What were you doing was... at four? We should probably go back to that is a good question. He's sucking his thumb watching TV. Right. Yeah. Five or, is when it all Five and all snap. Right. I yeah. was born with rheumatoid arthritis. Oh, and really? I spent a little while in the hospital before I even came out just uh, because they didn't think I was going to survive very long. Really? Yeah, I had like a lot of different problems when I was young. Oh. So I think that once I got out of the hospital I, and you know I could walk because I couldn't really walk because I was in so much pain until I was about three. So I think that kind of made my head set like, oh, I got to do stuff. And I just wanted to do lots of so things. So when did you start skating skateboards? Um, when I was in the city, pretty much most of us, like, you know, our group of guys that would skate together. I know this sounds like a tangent, but there's a purpose to the story. Go sure. ahead. You know, we would we would uh, have to make our own skateboards. So you had your own Lars T skateboard? Yeah. Age, please? Uh, well, I mean, that was really... Around 15, 15, 16, yeah. And they were, they were popular. Yes. In fact, you had people distributing the, these skateboards. Yes, we did. And one of your distributors was a company called Drew Estate. Oh, how did you know that? That's crazy. I saw a poster somewhere oh, that's that actually true. said, called Jonathan Drew at Drew Estate. Yeah, probably true. And they were distributing skateboards. Yeah. Before they were in the cigar business. It was a while ago. Here you go. Here's that, that girl that you were talking about. Oh, yeah, but that's not the band. No, no, no. Yeah, but, yeah, that is that girl, actually. Yep, but that is the poster that was in the so thing. That, that's it, not the poster, but there was a poster of her getting out of a bathtub with bubbles on yes, her, totally naked, yes. smoking a cigar. Is this how you got girls? You put them on cigar bands and posters back No, no, back no. Then? She didn't go on a cigar band. She was just on a poster. Oh, uh, well, I remember, I remember the marketing. Yeah. So, 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 so you actually had experience with Jonathan Drew prior to Drew Estate becoming a cigar company. He was distributing skateboards for something you. Something yeah, something like that. All right. I, I, I'm not supposed to really be talking about anything Drew Estates. So, uh, oh, well, then we won't. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. Say it! So, Say it! <laughs> <laughs> I, that, it's my job when I get in this room. I know. I, I try to get the story. I totally get it. So, I, I'm just trying to, like... Uh, no, no, we'll respect... We'll you know, respect I'm just trying just... to listen to Alan, because I know that he's going to be listening to this. Alan, I'm not talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So, uh, now, now to jump. So now you're, you're making cigars, correct? Yep. And you put your, you start putting your name on them. Yeah. Now, at what point does this get, get stupid crazy? We were now selling all over the country. Because it was. I was in Chicago, and, and this is in probably 96, 97, and I, you couldn't get enough of them. Yeah. Everybody I knew was smoking this brand. Right. Again, I was never the brains behind any of this stuff. I created the art. Part of it, I was the talent, but there were other people much smarter than me that were running everything and doing all that stuff. Now, those cigars that were being sold back then, where were those, they being made? Because now your production is massive, right? Yeah. You're all over the country. We were, You're not rolling them in your apartment. No, we, we were in New York. We were upstate New York, and then another also... Why, it's another reason why they were so expensive, because your cigar, I think I, I think the fat was the one I used to smoke. Also because we paid our workers like a living wage. Well, yeah, because you were making them here, too. Yeah. yeah. So And then also we, we had a factory down in Venezuela in Cumaná. Wow, Venezuela, that's not a place you typically hear a cigar factory. They have really good cigar talent down there. Yeah. Great cigar makers. Are they making tobacco in Venezuela? Are they making cigars in Venezuela Absolutely. Today? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. I don't know of anybody. They are, but they're just not selling a lot of them in production in the United States. Okay. But, I mean, Ildebrando, who's like one of the greatest cigar makers ever, he was from Venezuela. I mean, that guy's genius. So... So your your production now? How does your cigars going from uh, uh, New York, Manhattan, to now it's 
national. How, how did that? In fact, you know what? Hold that thought. We're going to get into that after the. I was going to say. Uh, like the I was watching the clock. I'm getting good. He's Who getting needs Paul? Let's get rid of him. He's getting it. All right. That's what he, we're going to have more with Lars. When we come back here on KMA Talk Radio, keep it lit. You're listening to KMA Talk Radio. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're on Instagram too. Yes, it's mandatory. We are family. Stop right there. A, I hate the song. B, I can't sing. Dan Blunt here for Alec Bradley Cigars. I'm making a point, though, and that's Alec Bradley Cigars is a family operation. Alan Rubin named the company after his two sons, Alec and Bradley, when they were just tykes. Now they're grown up, working alongside their dad, making the best damn cigars you ever smoked. So join the family. Alec Bradley Cigars. Fuel your soul and experience inspiration with the Aging Room Quattro Series by Rafael Nodal. More than just a master blender, but the inspired composer of four boutique masterpieces for the sophisticated palate of an aficionado. The Aging Room Quattro Series are a perfect cord of flavor and aroma and are born from the best tobaccos, aged under the expertise of one of the greatest names in cigar making. Truly the perfect notes for a genuine cigar smoking experience. Aging Room Quattro Series, a quartet of excellence. Hoya de Nicaragua proudly announces the release of Cuatro Cinco Reserva Especial, a carefully modified recipe containing a unique and exceptional selection of barrel-aged grade-A fillers and a beautiful silky-shade-grown Habano wrapper. From the legendary Jalapa Valley, producing small quantities, this exceptional medium to full-bodied cigar will continue to captivate consumers with its rich Nicaraguan complexity, subtle woody and sweet flavors, and a velvety finish. Try a Cuatro Cinco Reserva Especial today. CLE Cigar Company presents CLE Cigars, Eroa Cigars, and Asylum Cigars. With four generations and over 120 years of experience in tobacco, from seed to smoke, these cigars are produced in Honduras and Nicaragua with the utmost care and precision possible. CLE Cigar Company introduces a vast array of tobaccos in various sizes to bring the highest quality of premium tobacco direct for your enjoyment. Visit CLECigars.com for more information. Since their humble beginnings in 1998, Drew Estate has believed that the production floor is the crossroads between art and passion and where the real magic takes place. Drew Estate Master Blender Willie Herrera has crafted a unique medium-bodied line extension that is creamy, lush, and ultra-smooth and finished off with a flawless shade wrapper that delivers satisfaction in spades. Continuing the story from their factory floor, it is with great bravado that the Drew Estate presents Under Crown Shade. A true Drew experience. For hundreds of years, the indigenous people of the Dominican Republic took tobacco and rolled it tightly into palm leaves. These long cylinders of tobacco, called yawa, created different, unique, robust flavors and aromas. And that original Enduyo tobacco is now, for the first time, featured in La Aurora Dominican DNA. Full-bodied, robust, spicy, and elegant, La Aurora Dominican DNA is a return to the roots of Dominican cigar making that only La Aurora can provide. Enjoy the varied DNA of the Dominican cigar industry. Look to the lion, La Aurora Cigars. We are Dominican defined. The Oliva family, the makers of some of the most affordable yet highest rated premium cigars available. For seven straight years, Cigar Aficionado has rated Oliva as one of the best cigars of the year. And Oliva has a cigar for all smokers. From the newly released Gilberto Oliva Reserva to the bold and rich Oliva Siri V. Oliva cigars can be found at a tobacconist near you. So always ask for Oliva. An unbeatable value and uncompromising quality. The Oliva family of cigars. 
Ventura Cigar Company is a boutique cigar brand born in sunny Southern California. Ventura Cigar Company is on a mission to create memorable, complex cigar blends that excite the senses and reward discriminating palates. Experience the Cigar Aficionado number 13 Cigar of the Year. The archetype, Axis Mundi. Rise up, step up, look up, fire up, and leave compromise behind with Ventura Cigar Company. Check them out online at VenturaCigar.com. Welcome back. You're listening to KMA Talk Radio. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're on Instagram, too. Yes, it's mandatory. Welcome back to KMA Talk Radio, broadcasting live. I am Adam Peter Grunmeister, and uh, we are here in lovely West Palm Beach, Florida. With me, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Honest Abe. Hello, hello. I'm in trouble. I finished my cup of coffee in the first hour. I usually like to try to make it stretch. Yeah, me too. Yeah. There's only so much we can do. And we are here, of course, with our special guest, Mr. Lars Tetons. Uh, Lars, thank you for being here today. It's um, great to be here, brother. I tell you what, some of the most interesting stories we've had in this room in a long time. Seriously. Um, I, got, I got an Ask KMA question. I'm not sure I understand it. Maybe sure. you can shed some light mm-hmm. to it, but it's from our, one of our uh, very loyal li- listeners, Allison. She wants me to ask you how, she says, please ask Lars how he came up with rap music. Sure. Um, So so is she she saying that you claim you've come up with rap music? No. Okay. Maybe I'm not understanding her question then. So how I actually started rapping. Oh, how you started rapping? Yeah, okay, I, I was really young. So, but I was I was started out. I started out five, five, seven. <laughs> no, no, I was a teenager. Okay. But, I, but, I, but, but I started doing DJing, and uh, everybody who was DJing in New York, like at house parties, or yeah. basement parties, or whatever, like that kind of stuff, you had to have a hype man, or not had to, but you did get one. But it would cost. You know, what's a hype man? A hype man would be oh, like hype. announcing hype. you hype, and talking to the hype. crowd while you DJ. They would talk to the crowd. Got it. Um, that eventually became what rappers were doing. Adam K is my hype man. No, nice. He's oh not. yeah, no. no, he's not. Adam K and hype, not so much. <laughs> I'm a big excitement guy. What can yeah. I say? <laughs> and so I, I ended up uh, going out and doing all parties, but I didn't want to spend the money because. You were making 40, 50 bucks maybe at, at doing, doing a party. Know? Yeah. So you don't want to have to take any of dollars $25 would be like for the hype man. Now I how, like, how old are you here? I was a teenager, 15, okay. 16, 17. So, so like you, you learned. Now was Not rapping, even 16, 17. I was 14, 15. Was yeah. rapping around at the time? Um, not really. I mean, it was, but not really. It was a weird thing. It definitely wasn't. Somebody like, was doing. Can we get a year check again? It's just hard to. I know. It's where, are yeah. Yeah. where are we at? Where are we at? Year so, wise. Uh, fourteen fifty. No, no, no. Date, date, like timeline. Date. Yeah. Timeline. Oh, uh, I'm fifty five now. So. Oh, you can't do math. He's from South Philly. Yeah, no, I can't hey. either. I'm. You know what? I'm pretty. <laughs> not for not I'm for nothing. Get, I'm gonna get in trouble now when I walk out there. I gotta look when I walk to the car. No, when you're fourteen, fifteen. What year is that? What year is it? Probably around nineteen seventy nine, nineteen eighty. Something like that. Mm-hmm. So there were like a I'm hand- listening to Elvis and Kenny Rogers, were, and he's yeah. There was a hand- There mm-hmm. was a handful of people who were like doing things that were similar to the rap kind of thing that was going on. Do you I still mean, rap? Yeah, I still. Can you can you give us a riff real quick? Sure. You Shoot. Want me to? Yeah. You want me to play it, or you want me to just do it? Well, no. I, we got a song later. But can you rap something? Like okay. Real quick? Yeah. Sure. Go okay. ahead. I want to hear. Well, you could tell by the way I spit, I'm a little harder. I'm so hard, I fly so vibe wire. 
Ruler of the street empire, one chance to step and then you retire. Got the HK to catch your body on fire. One, two houses of fluid like a ladder. Dudes want to step. Gonna catch a plier. Stupid, wake up, find yourself in hell fire. I don't give a fuck no more. Banging at your die with the big fire fire. Come on, money, let's get it on straight wows. Cutting at your dudes, you're gun like a sound. I don't give a fuck no more. Huh? Banging at your die with the big fire fire. Come on, money, let's get it on straight walls. Cutting at your dudes, you're my gun like a side. Nice, all right. Wow. He didn't hesitate. No, nope, he, he did, did not. not. He did not hesitate. Well done, sir. Very well done. So, all right, I, 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 I got a little, like, vertigo from this interview. <laughs> I mean, literally, it's a mind-boggling, amazing interview. So, now, now, I still didn't get to what got you now. To you got this hobby, you're making money, you're selling cigars. How does it make that break to now? It's like all over the country and like one of the most sought after brands in the country for a well, period of time. You know, uh, that part is like probably confusing for me too. Um, <laughs> were, you, were you in a haze during those years? Uh, no, I mean just because I really wasn't thinking about it as a business. Somebody and, was somebody who was really yeah. behind the scenes making yeah. it happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I had partners in there that were really. That were were they good hit. partners? Were you, were you actually getting any money from this time period? Or oh, was, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was. You weren't being taken advantage Not of? Not at all. Okay. So They then, weren't investors or anything. They were just like kind of girlfriend slash partners because they were smarter than me and they ran the business. So I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. And honestly, this is probably a 20-year-old question that I've had. Sure. Right? And I, I know you don't want to talk about certain things, so if you can answer it without getting into certain things that you'd rather not talk about, but being that when I got into this business, you were the brand, like one of my best-selling brands I was putting into every country club and bar and sure. you know liquor store, restaurant I was servicing in Chicago at the time. Um, another brand had come out, right? And you just disappeared, like overnight. As far as, I, I know we've had this conversation, you were selling cigars to a small group, and you've been selling cigars continuously. This is not like... You're coming out of the woodwork. Right. You've been selling cigars for the last 10 years. 40 years. 40, oh yeah, 40 years, continuously. I mean, yep. yeah. But literally, as far as the public eye and cigar shops, your brand just, I know you had shortages for a while. I remember I couldn't get them for a while, and I don't know if that was just because the demand was that. But then all of a sudden, it was gone, and all of a sudden, there was this other brand. What happened that made Lars Teen go from, like, a household retail cigar what? shop name to, like, Honestly, up until you know a few months ago, when they you know you made this venture with Alec Bradley, I don't think anybody who walked in my store. I mean, did you did you know what Lars Tedens was? No. Yeah, you had no clue. No. You had no clue. Uh, no, I never. Right, seen so it. I got two guys. And how long you been in the cigars? Ten years. Ten years, and you? Uh, seventeen years. Yeah. Wow. And they wouldn't know your name. So what caused that? Do you have any idea? Do you ever think about it? Did you ever notice it? Sure. Or? No, I I understand it. Um, and that's been a question I had, and I've never met you until right. this week. Really, so, person so to person, we, we really weren't ever trying to. I mean, even from the beginning, we were never trying to be the McDonald's of cigars. Um, and you know, there's there's but you plenty had to of other as a business at some point that hey, we used to sell X number of cigars a month. What's going on now? It's like one. 50th of what we used to move was that even a concern for you at the not time, at or? all and, yeah, and just not at all and then we is. also focused on like um just you know very high-end very select group of uh stores that we'd sell to that sold all that high-end brand stuff and those places sold a huge selection of my cigars 
So it was, I mean, that was like where we focused. Because on. companies who get into business today would have would die. Who are starting up would die for that kind of exposure to be out there, and all of a sudden everybody wanting the cigars, and it just like, and you know what? It's very funny because this is like an industry. Where there really are no secrets, man. The stories are always out there. Eventually, right. the truth comes out. Eventually, you know the yeah. truth. We know about usually an acquisition long before the press release comes out. You know, even like look at Cigar Con. That was out <laughs> before even they made the news, right? I mean, right, right. there's no secrets in this history, but the story of the Lars Teton, where he went, just is something I never really heard. Just yeah. never knew the story, never knew what happened. It just kind of disappeared. Yeah, and I think that, you know, it wasn't, we were never really trying to be that big. It wasn't, we weren't trying to. It just happened. And I wanted to really scale back and just like kind of keep my quality super high end. And then once I broke off with a partner slash girlfriend about nine years ago, I decided I needed She was to, along with you on, on this ride up until yeah. now, up until nine years ago. Uh, and then uh, we... I just basically wanted to set up a new team, and I, it took me a while to find a new team to set up. And uh, Alan and I have tons of synergy, and I trust Alan. He's a really good guy. So I wanted to go along with him, and uh, we started to have discussions about it. And then about a year after that, we ended up uh, signing a, a deal together, and we became partners in a company called World 180. And then we have Alec Bradley as our distributor. And what, at this time, what made it now for you the time to say, hey, now I'm, I'm because now, well, now so, you're completely shifting gears, right? You, you, you've kind of gone from this very, very small boutique. We're going to service a, you know, a select handful of shops. So now I've dealt with for the last decade or two, right? To now you're, you're put in fifth gear. Now you've teamed up with. You know, Alec Bradley. Well, now Alan's Al the Ruby. brains of the operation. <laughs> so basically, it's the workload. You want somebody to really handle kind of the the workload of the business side of that. Yeah, aspect. I can't do the business. I've never been the business. Guy. There's a lot of people out there who are artists. The greatest chefs don't make the best restaurant operators. It's, no, it's, it's, it's I common. agree with it's, that 100. percent It's very, very common. Usually, very artistically or you know, uh, uh, creative people te- typically don't handle the business side of a business the same. It's it's a left and right brain kind of thing, and right. very seldom people excel at both. It's, right. it's hard. And Alan's great at business, and uh, I I trust what he's you know direction is to be able to bring this. Well, I tell you what, public. Alan's uh, one of these guys in the industry who, I mean, literally was one of the first guys I've had a personal relationship going back almost twenty years. Um, always the utmost respect for him. A great family guy, which I am, so I I got great respect for that, and um, you know. Just good people, you know. I really like. I've, I've always in my industry liked working with good people, people I like. I always those are the people I always like to try to do more business with. You know, unfortunately, sometimes I don't always dictate that result because no matter what I try, at the end of the day, it's the consumer who buys the product, right? right? So, um, but you know, Alan's Alan's had a very long career, and he's I mean, basically my whole ride in his career. I, uh, we've had a relationship, so uh, you know, I think you're in good hands. Yeah, I think you were with a good company, but um, is this something you're ready? Are you ready to get it back on the horse and start going around the country and doing concerts and cigar events? And I actually love it. Yeah, yeah. I never went into cigar shops, dude. I never did. I well, you know, back during your first tour of duty, as I'll call it, right? Um, Been playing too much uh, Call (laughs) Call of Duty Mobile now. Yeah, Uh, during your first tour of duty, that really wasn't that popular. 
They weren't doing cigar events, you know, going to shops and, you know, uh, principals or something. That wasn't going on way back then that much or that often. So it's kind of become a completely different era. I mean, the industry today is, God, it's a complete flip of 20 years ago where this is now the common thing. You know, now you're going to get in a car and trawl up around the country and do cigar events and cigar shows. Do you, you, you find that fatiguing at all or exhausting? No, I don't find it fatiguing Not yet. At all. You no. just started. No, I, I really don't. But you toured doing music, too. Yeah, so I'm, I have endurance. Well, a it's lot that, of endurance. It's that four hours of training every morning. That, I, yeah, and then I, I got to run endurance a, too. Then I got to run a company, and I got a girlfriend, so, you know, all that kind of stuff. Wow. It's a lot of work. So, well, let's talk about the oh, brand. Oh, are you here today? Sorry. Hey. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying wow. to direct. I, I thought trying I was to direct. show myself. I'm trying to direct. You know, I got all this <laughs> stuff I got to do. You just fodder. Be a little more fodder. <laughs> so let's talk about the brands themselves. There you go. Yes. What, like, obviously we have this, you got the packaging, you want to put it up right there uh, in this box to the left. This box here? Yes. Would you like me to hold it up to the yes, camera? that would be lovely. There you go. Yes, thank you. Uh, obviously it's got your name plastered all over it. And what was the in, what was the creation of this box? Um, you know, actually, Ralph, who's like one of the... Ralph Montero of Alec Bradley, right. yeah. He's an amazing guy, one of the guys who runs Alec Bradley. Um, he came up with the idea that I, I... I did a graffiti bag when I was a young kid in the 80s. In one of my leather bags, I had a bunch of graffiti all over it. And he came up with the idea of redoing that, revisiting that. You, your original boxes, if my memory serves me correctly, were these big bulky wooden boxes, right? Absolutely. Unhinged tops. Yep. Um, just like a solid plank of wood that sat on top of it. Yep. You had the filler all inside, right? Did uh, you have no. tobacco filler? No. Nope. Uh, let me tell you something. Or did that go when you went to aluminum? Because you went to some kind of aluminum box. Yeah. and that Before, had... you know, you kind of disappeared in my universe. Yeah. You went from these, I, I'm going to assume that was a shipping issue or? Because no, those just, boxes were heavy. Right. But I just wanted to make it lighter weight and yeah. super strong so they wouldn't break. Right. Mm -hmm. you, your, your original packaging was like literally these solid wood boxes, yeah. right? Yeah. And they were heavy. Then they were like these silver tins with this black. Corrugated kind of plastic. Yeah, corrugated tops foam on. top, right? Yeah, corrugated plastic tops, but and that had foam on the bottom part. Yes, but so I wanted it to be uh, really lightweight and really strong, so that the uh, retailers didn't have to pay a lot of money for shipping. Because it was outrageous. Yeah. It was outrageous. Shipping was expensive. I can imagine. One of those boxes, mm -hmm. you could kill somebody with them. Yeah. It, was, it was like a brick, a concrete brick. It was like a really high-end humidor. <laughs> yeah. If you hinged it and sealed it, yeah, it yeah. probably would have been. Absolutely. It was basically sealed. You, you, All you had to do, and I used to have a humidification on the top of the Yes, things, you did. Even in the wooden One boxes. of those discs, right? Yep. Yeah. So you could use that for a humidor easily. We wow. made sure it was pretty airtight. All right. Sorry to interrupt your brands. Go ahead. No, not at all. No, no. It's a, it's a good, long-standing story. So what we've got is, uh, tell me how you came up with some of these names. Because we've got Steampunk, Fat Cigars. Fat Cigars, I, I, that's a good uh, story. So um, uh, my the person who really helped me get all this stuff, like moving out into the public and selling and all that kind of stuff, uh, she was like, uh, Lars, you have to have a band, and you know, I want you to go ahead and design a band for the stuff. And I was at the breakfast counter in our kitchen, 
And I just took a napkin off of our napkin holder and took a little marker and I wrote out Lars T. Ince. I drew the crown that's the original crown that we still use today. And I put underneath it Fat Cigars, P-H-A-T, because you know, I was always into the hip hop rap culture. And so that was at that time, that was kind of the culture thing. Fat cigars, everything was fat. Interesting. That was one of the lines I remember smoking a lot, fat yeah. cigars. So that was like uh, originally on the first bands, that's what we were doing. Now we got steampunk, and I've got a grass here. Yeah, grass is an interesting cigar because uh, there's a lot of people really enjoy that stick. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot cheaper now that we're making it in Nicaragua. It's about 20 bucks cheaper than what we were selling it before. Because before I had a retail of 60-something bucks. Now it's retails around forty something. That just seems so high. What what causes it to Wait, be s- the cigar? Yeah. <laughs> for yeah, one what, for one for cigar? one cigar. Yes, I yeah. have other cigars that are one hundred and ten dollars oh. and one hundred and eighty dollars a cigar, Yikes. and one hundred and sixty. Well, why? Why? I mean, is it is it just the availability, the amount you produce? It's, it's very expensive. The whole production and uh, the the ingredients that we use, the stuff that you condition the tobacco yep. with. Very, very expensive. Huh. Next time you talk to Ralph and Alan, just ask them. <laughs> they had no idea and never expected it to be that expensive. But it is very expensive. Now, now you, you you have the, which is the one that's like fire? Because oh, we yeah. gave one to our shipping manager. It's the S&S. That's the SS. Is yeah. it the S&S or SS? S and S. S and S. And what, because... We bought in our shipping manager the other day, Labby, for all our guys who order mail or know it. But literally, and I know he likes mild cigars, so he walked in with me. Hey, you smoke mild cigars, right? Hey, try this. You know, we, we get. Did you ever post that video? Uh, no, but I'm uh, going you to. You got to give me a copy of it. I, I will gotta post on camera. Hundred percent, I will send spicy? that to you. Not spicy, uh, nuclear. Mm. <laughs> literally, so so. I meant to post that video too. What, already. What do you, what do you put on? To. What do you put in cigar that makes it that hot? Okay, six, do you know, do you 16 know, different, okay, so the, it's like do, a... Do you have a Scoville rating? Uh, no. You should see if you get Scoville rated. Yeah. I know. It's a sweet and spicy tip, and uh, it has 16 different kinds of habaneros, all smoked with exotic woods. Uh, Scorpion Trinidad pepper, boot yokia, which yeah. is ghost pepper, mm-hmm. and Carolina reaper pepper. So so listen to this. So he comes in. Now, of course, I don't want him to light it because he's going to put it in his mouth, right? Right. So here, let me cut it. I toast it up for him. I hand it to him. And he said, tell me what you think, because I'm not into mild cigars. I know you kind of are more into mild cigars. Right. Do you like this? Now, the, he's one of the nicest guys you know, you'll ever meet, <laughs> really. The poor guy is sitting across from Lars, and he's smoking it. He's like, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> His eyes start watering. And he's sweating. Like, so what do you think? He's like, yeah. It's just good. This is real good. He doesn't want to right. see anything negative, but you can see him starting to sweat. And he can't. But he's still smoking it. He's putting it in his mouth, and then finally we all busted out laughing, and we had to tell him. And this poor guy, like for an hour, like he wouldn't open up a gallon of milk. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. I saw and that. He, yeah. Saw that. <laughs> yeah. He opened up a gallon of milk for an hour. I mean, I mean, how? how I mean, can, can the average guy really smoke? I mean, I, he's a little. I know he's a little like spice weak, so that's why I kind of right. picked him out. I meant to smoke one myself just to get a barometer of whether I was, I was going to call him a real wussy or not, mm-hmm. and see how bad it was. But I didn't get a chance. Yeah, I. I Female managers from some of the stores I saw, even down here, that have like uh, smoked that cigar, and they're just like, "Oh yeah, okay, it's not like super spicy," because they are used to eating really hot. Right, spices. man. That's why I, I like hot. Yeah. I'm a, 
I'm a Thai five star. Yeah, I go order. Yeah, so order, some so. people to them it's just like, oh, okay, it's not that spicy. In fact, the one that I make for myself is like psycho spicy. That'll hurt you. Why would but you want I, to do that to yourself? Well, it doesn't hurt me. But All right, for the most person, people, it would. Yeah. Okay, I got I got ghost mic going on. Take over for a little bit. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, you said there's Carolina Reaper and Scorpion in the S and S. What else can you put in there <laughs> to make it spicier you for the one you put make for yourself? <laughs> no, that's it. <laughs> and sixteen different habaneros. Yeah, it gives you a different flavor, so in the habaneros. Okay. Yeah. And and what was the thought process in creating the cigar? Was this like something you said you did it for yourself personally? Yeah. Or? Yeah, I started doing this with real. I mean, like really, when in the beginning part of my cigar making time, I decided I wanted to have something like this. So I've been doing this almost the whole time I've ever been doing cigars. Okay. All right. All right. At one point, like maybe in the eighties, I did it a little thicker, so it was like almost a royal icing on it. So it was really thick because people wanted to be able to suck on it for like an hour. And so uh, I, I I did some that were just like special ones that were like super hot and it was really thick uh, tip on it. So mm-hmm. it was like a thick white tip, but uh, it didn't it didn't uh, it, 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 it did, I didn't go ahead and continue to sell that all over the place. It was just for a handful of places. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. All right, we're gonna take a short break. We're gonna have more with Lars when we come back here on KMA Talk Radio on this the twelfth of October. Keep it lit. You're listening to KMA Talk Radio. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're on Instagram, too. Yes, it's mandatory. Hi, this is Nish Patel from Rocky Patel Premium Cigars. I want to introduce you guys out to our Old World Reserve Corojo made in a Honduran facility. What a beautiful medium-bodied cigar. When you light it up, it's got a gorgeous white ash, and you get that sweetness from that delicious Corojo wrapper, a little bit of spice, and a lot of nuttiness. Go to your local brick and mortar, check out the Old World Reserve Corojo. You will not be disappointed. Again, what a delicious cigar. When Dominican passion, artistry, and skill combine with 114 years of family legacy, you don't just have a cigar, you have the cigar. Whether you love the mild, flavorful La Aurora 1987 Connecticut, the spicy 1962 Corojo, the always smooth, sweet La Aurora 1903 Cameroon, or the all-new powerhouse 1985 Maduro, you aren't just enjoying a part of history, you are lighting your own legacy. Flavor, value, family, be a part of something. Look to the lion, La Aurora Cigars. We are Dominican defined. Hello, this is Glenn Case, owner of Christoph Cigars. Smoking a cigar is all part of the experience. For me, there's nothing better than gathering with friends after an amazing steak dinner and smoking my GC Signature Series paired with a fine glass of scotch. Good conversation and a few laughs is always better when smoking Christoph. Start enriching your downtime. Go to Christoph.com and click on the Discover Your Christoph tab to find the Christoph cigars that are right for you. Upgrade your downtime with Christoph. Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust and its master ligador, Steve Saka, is crafting the very finest cigars available today. One such brand is his Mi Carida, a robust, extremely flavorful liga, compromised of rich Nicaraguan leaf hand-rolled in a 100% naturally fermented, heavily broadleaf capa. Earthy and dense, with a long-lasting, slightly dirty finish, Mi Carida is delightfully lush and full-bodied on the palate. 
offering an extremely satisfying experience for the most passionate of cigar smokers. Ask your tobacconist for Mica today. With over 20 years in the cigar industry, Eric Espinosa has done it all. He began in retail, became a sales manager, developed and owns his own brands, and today is internationally known as a manufacturer of top quality premium cigars. Nothing gives Eric more pleasure than to be able to make his own cigars for consumers worldwide to enjoy. Experienced cigars made in the Espinosa way. La Ranja Reserva, Murcielago, 601, and Espinosa Habano in Connecticut. For more information, visit EspinosaCigars.com. Hey, fools, how about a game of cutthroat? Your funeral? That's my kind of game. Arnold, I hope your pool playing is better than your choice of cigars. Here, try this Rickloose cigar. You're going to need all the help you could get. Hey, don't be stingy. Let me get one of those. Rickloose. Wow, that's a good smoke. Now I can bring my A game. Hey, I think you should stick with that Rickloose cigar and work on your B game because you don't have an A game, and I know a little something about games. Boom. Hey, sucker, go buy yourself a Rickloose cigar and do it today. Awarded the 2014 Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year with numerous 90-plus ratings, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary Cigar celebrates Tabacalera Perdomo's 20 years as one of Nicaragua's largest premium cigar manufacturers. Using only the highest priming tobaccos grown exclusively by the Perdomo family, the 20th Anniversary Cigar has a tremendous profile with layer upon layer of rich, elegant, complex flavors. Visit your nearest authorized tobacconist today and experience the masterful blend of these Nicaraguan puros. Now available in extremely limited edition pyramid size in Sangro Maduro. Great and fun times are always made better with great food. Come experience the new menu by Rum Shack at the world-famous Spearmint Rhino in West Palm Beach. Featuring exciting new and delicious offerings. Experience their one-pound New York Strip Steak Special for just under $15 daily until 10 p.m. Enjoy a fine lunch without breaking your wallet every Tuesday and Saturday from their $7 lunch menu. No matter the time or day, the kitchen is open till close at Spearmint Rhino, West Palm Beach. Welcome back. You're listening to KMA Talk Radio. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're on Instagram, too. Yes, it's mandatory. Welcome back to KMA Talk Radio. Broadcasting live, I am Adam K. the Brewmeister. With me, of course, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Honest Dave. Hello. And, of course, our special guest, the Philly Southpaw. Philly Potter. Philly Father. Yes. And of course, Philly we have our, our very special guest, Mr. Uh, Lars Tetons. Uh, Lars, thanks for being here. How you doing, brother? Can't complain. Yes. Absolutely. And, uh, well, he hasn't called in yet. But well, I have a question. Okay. Now, I, I know that mm-hmm. we mentioned that earlier, but Lars, you have four phones. Ah, uh, yes. I wanted to bring this also, up. Also, yes. I noticed he doesn't discriminate. He's got two Samsungs, two iPhones. <laughs> so <laughs> that is true. What do you, what purpose do four why? Um, well, if we want to talk seriously about why I really have four phones, it's mostly because I can't remember the passcodes to the different social media stuff that I work on. So you don't have to sign in and out of stuff, right? Exactly. Just, ah, so okay. I can just go from one to the other. Boom, boom, boom. Don't the phones do that now for you? You could get two SIM cards and one phone, but yeah. then you have to switch up. So I, it's just what he's saying is like if you have like two Facebooks. You have right. to log out of one Facebook and go into right. the other. Oh, yeah, it yeah, all yeah. gets complicated, and I can't remember. That's much, a lot. How much it's social a lot of media stuff do you have? I hate carrying my one phone. Absolutely. Well, I have the the Lars Teens for the cigars. Uh-huh. I have Lars Teens for, for the, the music. music, and, and Lars Teens, my personal one. 
um, and then Instagrams and stuff like that. Now, I, if my memory serves me correct, you, you you made soap at some point, yeah? Yeah, I did do soap. How long did that last? Uh, not that long. What made you get into soap? I mean, I still am going to do soap. I, I'm, I I didn't not stop completely. I'm going to continue to make different soaps. I just. You know, you can only do so many things. Uh, yeah, so, some more more than yeah. most. And I have to. I'm going to wait for probably before I get back into that for at least another year, but year and a half. What makes me curious because I would never say mm, I think I'm going to start making some soap. What, what led you to want to make soap? Well, you essential, essential oils. Right, that, that's what Fight I thought club. of. <laughs> yeah, that's good. All right, but that works. Yeah. Essential oils are you know what people. You're use already the, working with the ingredients, right. okay? And, yeah, and well, that makes sense. sense. Does make I sense. do that with food. I do that with the cigars. So I guess there's a common theme. Yeah, I do that with sauces that I make, like you barbecue make sauces. sauces. Uh, come on now, barbecue sauce too. Yeah, you haven't tasted any. More I haven't. Sauces? You got any on you? No, I can't bring because the airplane. You can't bring liquid, uh, liquid stuff. Uh, 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 but I'll send you guys some down. I have like a hot, hot sauce. Oh yeah, I have a hot sauce with CBD in it. Yeah, you don't like the CBD. I, I, I have nothing against it. It just doesn't excite me. You know? okay, it's, like, well. you know, it's like you know. I'll send you the hot it's like sauce saying, oh, there's, the CBD. I'm, I'm saying there's wa- <laughs> water. Saying that is like saying, oh, water's an ingredient in it. Okay. okay. But more importantly, is is your hot sauce a pepper based or vin- you know vinegar based? I mean, is it like a pepper sauce or is it like a? Yeah, it's more like a pepper sauce. Yeah, I like a pepper sauce. Yep. I, I'm not big into any like the the Tabasco or the Macaronese right. or any of that no, vinegar based stuff. All right. Yeah, I'm interested. I'll I'll send you that. How hot? Me. How hot is it? Uh, well, I have like different levels of yeah. heat. So the hottest one would be like March of Death. Is that like two million Scoville stupid hot? Or yeah, stupid. Is that, I mean, if no, the cigar's like, stupid hot, what can yeah, you expect yeah. from the cigar? I, I, no, I like cigar. I was, I I was like, hot edible hot. Right. I was, I'm going to send you like a tropical heat. That's yeah, a great I, I don't one. mind sweating. I don't mind my right. nasal dripping. This one you, you can know, still. My eyes watering. That's mm-hmm. all right with me. Yeah, you'll taste all the flavors yeah. and everything. It's going to be hot, but it's a, it has great flavor. All right. All right. I love it. I'm 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 curious now. Absolutely, we got Coop. Yes, no? we do. Coop. Uh, now calling from the hills of Carolina, our news correspondent, Mr. William Cooper. Hey, y'all, what's my theme music? The Scoop with Coop, breaking industry news here at first on KMA Talk Radio and Cigar-Coop.com. Koopa Loop, what oh. is going on? Thought we lost our mics for a second. Well, no, it probably turned it off during the theme song and ended. Did not put it back, <laughs> so that's just what's going on. Koopa Loop, what is happening? Maybe Coop, did maybe not Coop. No, I thought I heard him. Coop, Coop, hello, Cooper. You know, it's, as we're going back to saying that all these stuff broke this morning, and so I even said to Colin at one point, "Are we sure the phones work?" Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service. Okay, that's the first. <laughs> that's the first. I have to smile for Tom Jordan. Tom Jordan is one of my oldest friends in here in South Florida. Been shopping in our shops as I can remember, but mm. he says I look too intense during the commercial break, so I got to smile more for Tom. That's me, Tom. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so no news with Coop, huh? Oh nope. Back. Good. We're good. We're good. Coop. Coop a loop. Hello. We may have to skip Coop. Hey, Coop, can you hear us? Can you hear me now? I'm going to go with negative on that one. Nothing? Well, apparently we broke it. No problem. Oh, Coop. Coop. I heard him for a second. All right. We're going to have to move on. We will move on. 
Sorry, Coop, we tried. We tried. Apparently, the studio... The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. (laughs) The studio is broken once again, so we will just have to move on from that. Uh, Let me... Hold on. Sorry, trying to do three things at once. Uh, So, we have Lars Tietens uh, from the Lars Tieten brand, and... So you're going on a country tour now, right? Doing cigar shops, tents. Yeah, yes. I know these. These are floating mics. It drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. It, bear with it. It's all we're, good. We will have our new studio soon. But um, yeah, knock on wood, really. Mm-hmm. So you're going on a tour. You're going to be playing cigar shops. Yep. Uh, and some w- clubs and lounges. And what, stuff like that. What, now, what is usual the set list for when you're in these cigar shops? Mm, it's all original. Is music. it all original? It's all original music. Mm-hmm. You've written it and composed yep. it, yeah? And now, is this stuff that you've been composing since you were five? Uh, no, but probably since I was uh, pretty young. But I actually, most of the... I, I have a, a huge amount of original music, so six, eight hours worth of originals if I just sat there That's and a played. Lot. Mm-hmm. Um, hundreds and hundreds of songs. Uh, but the, the stuff that I'm going out and playing now are pretty much new songs I just wrote in the last couple of years. Now, I, I saw a video of you, like, like having a jam session on electric cut guitar, is there a specific genre of music that you perform? Or is it pretty yeah, much anything? It's more. It leans more towards trap and reggaeton. Trap? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You'll have to educate me. Anybody here know what trap is? Like uh, the South Philly guy would know for sure. Yeah. What's well, trap? actually, not. It's more of like that southern heavy bass. Southern gangster music. Yeah. Atlanta gangster grass. Yeah, like Atlanta gangster grass. Dubstep ish. No. 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 It's not really no. Do we have stuff. a theme song to justify it? I used to have all the like my favorite shows theme songs on Sound Audio Bites. <laughs> mm-hmm. Justified was one of them. Uh, so, how, do you feel that over your career, your musical taste or how you compile music or how you write music has changed or evolved? Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, I I always try to like have some kind of story influence in most of the stuff I wrote, uh, but now I'm. Really concentrating on kind of uh, themed, like almost anthem choruses, where mm-hmm. you know the audience can sing or ch- shout along with it, and kind of I think that that makes it the audience more involved in what you're doing and what you're playing. So uh, that's where I'm trying to like redirect my writing towards. Are any? I got a cigar question. Go figure. Mm-hmm. Are any of the lines being offered now? new lines or are these all stuff that was blended and done decades ago yeah it's all older stuff do you have any plans on making anything new um well i mean i i have so many brands out there that are predicate brands that uh i mean i can be releasing them like we could be releasing them every three or four but were they right but every everything that's on your current like sales list that you're selling now to the current these are all brands that were in existence like um, like 20 years ago yes all lines yep right um but you have stuff that you, you made and like sold in little quantities that you would really... I mean, obviously everybody wants to know, I mean, are you making or blending or anything or doing anything of that sort now these days or no? I'm just only the classic older stuff that I've been doing okay. for years. And, uh, you know, if I do do new stuff, um, it'll be, you know, something that'll be a short limited run, I'm thinking. Because right. You know, the FDA is going to come on down. And yeah, that's do oh, that, that's the do. big dark cloud above our whole yeah. industry. So we, I don't want to really start working on other projects. They may not even be able to last. Right. Yeah, makes I'd sense. rather keep mm-hmm. my focus and my thing on the stuff that I already was doing in 2007. Now, from here in Florida, where you, when, when are you leaving town? 
I'm leaving tonight. Tonight? Yep. And where are you headed out to? I'm heading back. Uh, I'm going up to PA, Philadelphia Airport. And then uh, I leave on Monday to Arizona. Then I go to California. And then I'm, on a continual I'm traveling tour. all over the place. Yeah. Now, is Kevin going with you, or do they have somebody meet you at these different cities? No, the, we got another guy, Jack. I would love for Kevin to come on. <laughs> Kevin would probably like to go. Yeah, Kevin's awesome, man. He's a I good had guy. such a great time with him, Doug. Another guy I've known for my whole, basically, cigar retail career. I've been very fortunate enough, like guys with Eric, and you know, I, I, I've been dealing with a same lot of guys, right? same guys for over, over two decades, right? I mean, Kevin's what? This is like what your third company, probably. Fourth? Three or four, I can't read. I'm blind. The four, three, 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 three. Yeah, it's his third company since I got in it, but we, I mean, we still deal and work together. And right. of course, he's a uh, another Chicago boy, East Suburban Catholic Conference, you know, St. Pat's, Notre Dame, old rivalry. You know, mm-hmm. goes back to Chicago. So, yeah, I've been very blessed in that aspect of being in the cigar business. Yeah, he's an awesome dude. Good we, guy. We're going out there, and we're just he's he's really doing some great stuff with me out there. It's good, really cool, good. Well, I'm glad. Well, we wish you the best of luck. And he's helped me set up even my gear every. So. Oh, so he's a roadie too. Oh, roadie! <laughs> he's a roadie. Did you know you were getting a roadie? Excellent. I heard. I, I heard you have like a big amp you bring with you to the yeah, events. Yeah, it, it all works out great. I mean, it, the the sound, everything we're doing, it's it's really cool. It's got, it's more like a club dance kind of thing than anything else. So for someone out there who's heard of you coming back out now, right, and and maybe never heard of you before. What would you tell them is a reason why they should go out and try some Lars Teton cigars? Well, because it's completely different than anything else in the marketplace, and no one's been able to copy me at all. No one's even come close. So you're offering them a completely different smoking experience. Absolutely, and it's something that's going to be really high quality. It's going to be a really high quality. Do Do you think there's a certain segment that this cigar is just not for? Listen, I mean, any, I guess you could say that right. really about anything, any brand. Yeah, anything any brand, you really. do, there's going to be. I mean, look, there's certain people that don't like to go into Martin Steakhouse. Yeah, yeah, but they're called vegetarians. Yeah, we, you know. No, I thought that was funny. Yeah, thank you. I thought that was funny. I, know it was I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I, like I mean, uh, I think the vegans are fine. I don't got I mean, anything against them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fine I just don't want to be one. That's all. Well, you know? No, I honestly, I really do. Roast on a spit, slow roasted, of course, with a little bit of barbecue sauce. It's great. So you're not vegan, I take it? No. <laughs> all right, good stuff. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I know we talked. He's still about, laughing. He's chuckling over that question. <laughs> I mean, the guy was raised on a bull farm. I mean, hey, come on. You know. Yeah. I've been, I love meat. Are you kidding me? I eat so much meat. I get up in the morning, I'm eating like, if anyone follows me on Facebook is listening, they know. I eat like a pound and a half, two pounds of bacon a day. Bacon? And, and then go work out for four yeah, hours? What's your <laughs> cholesterol, dude? Oh, my cholesterol went down. It's great. It's actually- Went down from what, 800? No, my, <laughs> I, had, I had cholesterol problems. I'm off all my cholesterol medication. Yeah, do you think the problems had to do with eating four pounds of bacon a day? No, no. It went down because I wasn't eating that. I was eating a bunch what? of fruits and vegetables. I was eating like 60 to 80% of fruits and vegetables. Come on now. You're telling me the fruits and vegetables gave you a cholesterol problem, but bacon's helped it? Cholesterol, what, blood you got, pressure. A new, a new post in the New England Medical Journal of Medicine? And insulin problem, insulin resistance. So a year and a half ago, I was diagnosed with diabetes. I was already on high blood pressure medicine and cholesterol medicine. Boy, Fred Rui right now is happy as mm-hmm. a pig and shit somewhere right now here in this story. <laughs> So I changed my diet completely to high protein, high fats, and no carbs. 
So I'm only eating like 10 to 15 carbs. I lost over 100 pounds and I have a lot more. So you're doing like a keto thing. It's not really keto because even keto has more carbs than I'm doing. I'm saying really high fat, high protein. That's why you're eating four pounds of bacon. Like an Atkins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like an Atkins. Yeah. It always sounds good. On paper. I don't know enough about Atkins to be able to say yes. It, it, it always sounds good on paper to me when I hear these stories. Oh, dude, I eat as much bacon as you want. Right. Eat as much bacon. Right. But I just end up going back to bread. I just yeah, love. So I don't know if it's in my DNA to... or my culture. Mm-hmm. Dude, they started street wars in my my parents' country because they raised the tax on bread five cents. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think I'm kidding? No, I, I was addicted to rights. bread. I'm still addicted. I'm an, uh, listen. I've never been addicted I just to love anything. Good bread. Nothing. No, mm-hmm. no. I never smoked cigarettes. I didn't do, drink alcohol. I just never was addicted to anything, except I think you're right. Bread. Bread, bread is the thing that got me addicted to, to like. I walk into a store, a bakery, awesome. and I smell that, and it's just like calls me. It's like I'm I an know. addict. I shake when Dude, I'm around. I'm still it. thinking about when the I see a French bread. baguette or yeah. a, a croissant or a pain au chocolat. I uh, literally nice. start yeah, shaking. Yeah. Pain au chocolat. Uh, it's like a, a croissant with chocolate in it. Wow. Okay. So you're one of those guys who puts the W in croissant. Yes. That would be a, yeah. yes. I lived in Correct. I lived in France for a long time, so <laughs> in Philly it's a croissant, right? C R O croissant. But I mean that ciabatta bread that Eric bought last week. Oh, the oven. oh my god! Oh, I was so happy he bought two extra loaves that we didn't go through for dinner. I was like, oh yeah. Listen, I hear you. I mean, one of my favorites bread. at one a.m. is oh. just the middle of a plain piece of white bread. Right? Get it done. Good yeah, bread. Well, when yes. I went into the hospital, like the day it was right after Thanksgiving, about a year and a half ago, um, and right before I went to the Thanksgiving. Well, now it's almost two years ago. Holy cow! Time has gone by fast. Yeah, it does. Um, so almost two years ago, Thanksgiving. Um, r- right the day before I went in there. I was making some food for people. And at that point, I was really trying to not eat bread or not eat gluten stuff. And I had some really good sourdough bread <sighs> for my guests that I had for dinner. And so I served them stuff. They all they each had like one slice. So now I have this whole loaf. <sighs> and I figure, like, you know, I can eat probably half of a slice. It's not going to kill me. So then I went over to the loaf. It's like tapping the vein. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, then let me just have a slice. Right. I'm just yeah. like, well, I love the end piece, and that's almost like half a slice. So I'll eat the end piece. So I took the end piece, <sighs> and you know, it's one of those big round loaves. Yeah. So I take the end piece, and I, I come over to my like in front of my computer, and I, I poured a little olive oil onto uh, my plate, and little bit of butter and dip it into this butter and olive oil like charcuteries are one of my favorite things just give me a whole bunch of plate with salami cheese meats me olives, too top i love that good bread forget about it yeah i, I love that I, I get lost i love mm-hmm. that and so i i dipped in there and i ate that one piece and then like a zombie i just got up walked over took the whole loaf of bread brought it over on a plate yeah then poured a bunch more things put a, a half a stick of butter into the plate mushed it around with the olive oil and a little roasted garlic and it's a little bit of my spices. And then I ate the entire loaf of bread. And then I ate five persimmons after that. Oh, wow. I've always said. <laughs> no wonder why I had diabetes so bad. <laughs> I've, I, I've always said that you could tell in advance what kind of dining experience you'll have in an Italian restaurant by the bread they bring out. Uh, you're right. Because if they ain't that prideful mm-hmm. about the bread right. and you're an Italian restaurant, 
how good is the rest of the meal nope. going to be, right? You're 100% right. They got to be prideful. I mean, bread is bread, man. Break bread. The whole expression, break bread. It's bread, man. I love bread. Now I want to go to get a loaf of something. A loaf of Just bread. cut it down the middle, get some prosciutto, <laughs> roasted peppers, slap it in there. Oh, you know what I love to do with Italian, get an Italian loaf of bread, cut it open, uh, not cut, you know, not slice. Yeah. Cut it open and then do the Elvis Presley sandwiches where I would take like a, a quart of, of peanut butter, Ew. dump it in there, like a bunch of bananas, put that Ew. in there. And you lost me. Yeah. <laughs> two pounds of bacon. Put right. bacon in there. All right, you're winning me back. All right, and you're winning me back with the bacon. Around. We're turning the bus around with bacon. <laughs> Two small wheels of brie. I'd put that in there, too. Then you tie it up. I actually like brie. Then, I'm a brie guy. I'm a yeah. brie guy, too, but I don't know if I'm then a brie you, guy with, like, yeah, bananas. No, 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 then, you, like then, then you deep fry the whole thing. Oh, yeah. now you're going winner winner chicken dinner yeah. with it now. Now mm. you deep fry the whole thing, and you just eat that as one sandwich. Wow. And it's and incredible. And die on the Your cholesterol goes down. Well, no, my cholesterol didn't go down from that, trust. <laughs> wow. That was before I started my diet. <laughs> well, I really appreciate I know you got a busy schedule. It was awesome for you hey, coming on, man. Thank you very much. Really it was appreciate great it. coming out and good, hanging out with Good you guys. experience. Good stuff. If you're out there, check out Lars Teen. Facebook, you're all, you got four phones. Yeah, I know I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. <laughs> I'm all over the place. And uh, hopefully come into a cigar shop near you. Maybe he'll do a jam session. Uh, yeah, Lars Teen and Lars Teen Cigars. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's been a fantastic show. A lot of great information. If you missed any part of it, make sure you check out the KMA Talk Radio Facebook page where you can see the archives of all the shows and all the great things that we have done so far. So it's been a great experience, and uh, Lars, we greatly appreciate you being here. I love the caption contest, by the way. Oh, yes. This is going to be hilarious, this caption contest. Make sure you check out the KMA (laughs) Talk Radio Facebook page. That's everybody's first response. Whoa. Absolutely. Whoa. (laughs) Oh, my God. There you go. There it is. Yes. Don't bring dogs to the beach. Danger. Danger, Will Robinson. Yes. Very much so. It's not the best. Is it that time? Yeah. Let's see. Okay. Who belongs? Oh, yes. Welcome to the Cigar Asylum. Did you know I'm utterly insane? We all go a little mad sometimes. Where logic and reason cease to exist. This week, who belongs in a cigar insane asylum brought to you by Sealy and Asylum Cigars? Yes, uh, I threw the original out. This is what I found, so so I don't know if you read it. So I'm reading this for the first time. Yes. All right, good. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. There's a blue Paul for you. (laughs) All right, so here you go. The naked truth was not ideal for a Pennsylvania homeowner who cops say found a nude man sitting on his kitchen floor drinking milk early in the morning. Erie police say they responded at about 3 a.m. to the home for a reported burglary after the homeowner allegedly heard singing, singing, yes, singing, coming from another room in the home. The homeowner picked up a handgun, ventured into his kitchen, and found the suspect who was naked on the kitchen floor. Police say the suspect appeared to be under the influence. Man, no shit. Yeah, which brings me to my next point, kids. Don't do meth. Right? Of an undisclosed True substance <laughs> and was acting confused. He was arrested and charged with criminal trespass and disorderly contact. Upon being taken into custody, the suspect was given paper clothes to wear. What's paper clothes? Is it like something the police carry to throw on people? Yeah, like uh, like scrubs. Yeah. They get the paper scrubs. There were not any injuries reported, nor were there any signs of breaking, according oh, to the Erie Police. Congratulations, Mr. Milk Drinker. You are this week's inductee in the Cigar Sand Sound. Did you pick this one out? Yeah. Not much better than Paul's. It was a very wow. slow, it was a slow news that, cycle. That's borderline equivalent of the lame story that Paul had. 
We got, you know, Paul wasn't in our meeting, pre-KMA meeting, so I read the same song. I was like, this is stupid. I'm not reading this. Find another one. I guess I should have proofed that one, too. That's fantastic. There wasn't a lot out there. I, I spent 20 minutes looking. It wasn't, yeah. It was really? hard. It was slim pickings. Really? Yeah. Did you just Google Florida? Right. <laughs> you always he had start the Florida, Florida one. Man, no? <laughs> he had the Florida one. That Who one was stupid. Who do we got next week? Anybody? Next week, it is David Blanco of Blanco oh, Cigars. Wow. It's be been here. a long time since he... I don't think he's ever been in the studio. Yes. Has he? He, he was oh, here. I, you weren't something here. Something happened to me. Or I was you were out. out of town. You yes, were out of town yes, that weekend. Right, good. See what yeah. good old Dave is up to. Yeah. See what he's doing as he comes over from the lovely west coast of Florida. So South Paul Philly, how was your first, was this your first radio experience? This is my first radio experience. Was very, you know, because you never know. Because I knew mm-hmm. you know, Alex and I worked together, so we talk a lot. And I, I know we could have a conversation, but I've seen mm-hmm. it so often. You put headphones on people, they just freak out. You right. know, you, you gotta tell them, but no, you, you stick bother. a mic in their face, and yeah, the next thing you know out. is, yeah. oh no, what do I do now? It's like I can't talk. Mm-hmm. But no, you, you, you. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still just us forcing. It, that's yeah, the that's way true. I, that's why I All tell people we're in a room. Guys that I talk to every day, we're mm-hmm. in a room. Yeah. You know, large hey, listen, makes it obviously our, easy to have a Our good buddy AJ suffers from it. Right. You know, we right. talk all the time. We'll have meetings in the office. Right. He'll talk to anybody. And then when he gets in the mic, he just, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things like a deer in headlights. Mm-hmm. The figures. <laughs> yeah, right? You got to avoid the deer in headlights. So would you, like to, would, you, would you sit in again? I would sit in again. It's, yeah, uh, this, this is a little rough, to be honest. I was, you know, working until 3 a.m. Well, you probably time, still but... went to bed before I did. Well, you're one of those strange human beings, Dave, that, like, you know, my eight hours of sleep is your two. Yeah, your well, two hours of sitting up in a chair to sleep, not right? even, like, in a bed. Exactly. So. Right. Yeah, it's a little different. But, yeah, good. Well, thanks but, for coming uh, yeah, out. We appreciate time. it. I had a good time. It was fun, the interesting. South, the South Philly Southpaw. Yes. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like gravy, that. nut sauce. It's gravy, nut sauce. <laughs> it's gravy, nut sauce. Long-running debate. It never goes away. Never goes away. Never goes away. Well, let, let's ask the world-renowned, mm-hmm. self-proclaimed right. gourmet chef. Gravy or sauce? Gravy. There, there you go. go. There you go. Where are you from originally? <laughs> New York, Connecticut. <laughs> New York. It's gravy. I, mean, I just think that's an East Coast thing. Well, I mean, where else does it really count? Does anybody care what kind of gravy or sauce they're making in, like, Kansas? Well, no, I think that the sauce probably would be more like, uh, like you know, chef-y kind of stuff. Like bechamel? Right. Yeah. Right. Like, you, like France. Exactly. Like if you're in Paris, it's a sauce. But if you're a real human being, a man, it's gravy. It's gravy. So, so <laughs> the cans in the store that say tomato sauce, when you go, and you say, do you say, when you go do a recipe and you send somebody to the store, do you say, go give me a couple yeah. cans of tomato gravy? No, give me cans no, of tomato sauce for, and I'm going to make gravy. Right, but, yeah, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's for women. What's for women? The sauce. No, oh, making friends is <laughs> Sauce is for women, but gravy is for men. Is that what it is? Yeah, men make gravy. Tomato make sauce, sauce makes gravy. That's funny. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to do. I, do you I, even I know what they're talking about? I don't think he does. Probably doesn't. No. Nah. I, I've never heard this debate before. Really? I, dude, what cave do you live in? A big one. You've never heard the debate of people calling like spaghetti What do you put sauce? on your yeah. macaroni? Which you probably say pasta, but what do you put on your pasta or macaroni? It's another half. I say pasta. It's like a half. I say pasta. A marinara sauce. What's or, that? Kind of, you call it a sauce. You just marina- no, no, marinara is sauce. It's not marinara gravy. Then what's that's gravy? the one? All right. When you what would you, what would you an call Alfredo? An Alfredo sauce. What would you call right, bouillonnaise? Now, now you guys, I, I speak Vietnamese. Right. Yeah. What would you call a bouillonnaise? Sauce. He's a sauce guy, but he's a Midwest guy. Correct. I never heard right. gravy until I came down here and New- met a bunch of New Yorkers. Right. Gravy is a different thing, though. It's a little bit more, it's thicker. It's got meat in it. Uh, yeah, it's got meat in it. It's, it's called thicker. a sauce with meat. 
and no, more chunks of tomato. Gravy. If there's no meat in it, it's <laughs> yeah. still Sunday a gravy. gravy. And also, I, it is, I don't if think... If there's no meat in it, it's a marinara sauce. Yeah, and so I don't... So is meat the differentiator... Oh, well, now we're breaking headway. Mm-hmm. Is meat the differentiator for making it from a sauce into a gravy? Well, I yeah. Think because also, meat well, is technically the base for gravy. So thank you. I, there you go. There's a little bit of logic in this if you're going to tell me this. And also, I think that if you're starting out with tomato sauce you might want to put tomato paste a little bit but you got to start out with real whole tomatoes and cook them down to make a gravy and reduce them yeah uh, to not, make gravy. not necessarily so let me ask I something think, I, I i think if you really you have, have to like start i mean out i've made that. plenty of gravy at your house yes so yeah. let me ask make something. basil so have christmas fresh eve. basil fresh oregano fresh meat you know if it's you, christmas eve and i'm having you know right. you're taking macaroni, real fresh garlic but i got a seafood sauce scallops or is that, gravy. is that is that a gravy? Seafood gravy. So yeah. it doesn't gotta be just beef. It's gotta have no. Nah, it's gotta yeah. I've never heard seafood gravy. That's kind of sounds. It's not weird. seafood sauce. Seafood gravy. So you'd still call it a gravy? Absolutely. If it was cooked fresh and it's cooked all like down, you're reducing it. I would call it a gravy. Sauce is marinara sauce, Alfredo sauce. Gravy is everything else. Invalid argument. I mean, I'm partial to both. I just want to eat it. I, I don't care. I don't care what you call it. You just know. don't call me late for dinner. There you go, my friend. Absolutely. All right. Well, All right. it was another good show. I had fun. Thank you for coming on once again, both was, of you guys. It was awesome. Thank you for being here. And uh, next week we will talk with David Blanco of Blanco Cigars to see what's going and new in his world. Till then, and as always, keep it lit. You're listening to KMA Talk Radio. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're on Instagram, too. Yes, it's mandatory. (laughs) Cigar Fairy's making round. Yeah, that's fantastic. Keep it lit with KMA Talk Radio.